everyone and welcome to the Attitude Era podcast. And Snake's Alive! It's episode 35. No way out. 2001. I'm not going to get used to... You've ruined my, my <laughs> flow the year 2001. Much like you ruined Millennium Fun, 2001 is no 2000. It does not roll off the tongue as easily as that. Um, however, once again, I'm Kevin Mann. Joined as I am always in this review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. First and foremost, Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hello, Adam. Hey there. Are you looking forward to discussing No Easy Way Out? There's no shortcut home. I'm so excited for this. We're on like the penultimate chapter of the Attitude Era now. Things are getting pretty fucking serious. And I must say as well, 2001, obviously, you would have been riding high with this as a a young man. This was like the peak of my fandom. I'm going to say like, this is probably, because it's the month before WrestleMania, this is when I was at my absolute most. Yeah. Just after WrestleMania, I trailed off a little bit. So there so, you go. This is prime nostalgia right here. This is SmackDown 3 is coming out in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Really fucking excited levels of excitement. And to my right, he is unquestionably the baddest man on the planet, and now our resident XFL football boffin expert, <laughs> it's Billy Keeble. Hello there. Are you looking forward to talking about wrestling again and not football? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, in an alternate world, you and I would just talk about the pigskin classic. I'm talking about no touch ball, America's greatest pastime and export, the football. Yeah. Sadly, though, back in the mire of WWF. Yeah, no, no longer have to explain the uh, the rules like it's um, in Future Armor where they're describing the rules of Blurns Ball. It was kind <laughs> it's of just like getting that. really difficult to comprehend it. And I will tell all folks at home who are tuning in to listen to you know um, Smartman Billy Keeble and Booker Kevin Mahan's uh, you know sports analytics podcast. Get off the 50-yard line because you're not in the game. We're not doing football anymore. It is no way out 2001. It's been a fun month since Royal Rumble 2001 and the road to WrestleMania 17 and the end of the Attitude Era continues. It's as if someone looked at the card to this one and said, let's just tweak this a little bit so WrestleMania 17 turns out okay. So maybe it's time for some transitional champions to be brushed under the carpet. It's no way out. 2001. says to Kurt Angle, your transitional reign is over, brother. <laughs> tick-tock, tick-tock. The countdown is on. 
The Rock matter-of-factly stated in this promo that he is going to win later on. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the truth of it. That's it's so blatant as well. It yeah. is. There's like nothing in this promo to indicate that there's a chance Angle might win. It's like, no, The Rock is going to go home with the belt tonight. The Rock's in the microphone and he's basically saying, I mean, come on, do you really think it's going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kurt Angle? The way they've been booking the Olympic hero. Are you really, really think I have a chance of losing tonight? It's it's such a foregone conclusion. Yeah. And I will say, seeing as Angle is, you know, quite a lengthy reign. Mm, most, quite a long while now, yeah. Most of the end of 2000 and 2001. It is sad to see when someone's reign is coming to an end and it feels like this was the plan all along. There's no kind of, well, maybe if he does well, we might yeah. see where we go. It's yeah. like, no, Rock was going to beat this you. This is always going to happen. And, so it and it does happen. It's like the promo package, <laughs> package is Kurt Angle reading the script, getting really agitated. Like, God damn it, you know? Also, as well, our other main event in this pay-per-view for tonight, it's the Three Stages of Hell match. They do call this two out of three falls at some point. Yeah. Then they go for the full-on emotional Three Stages of Hell, which sees Stone Cold Steve Austin taking on Triple H in their final battle. Are you excited to see these guys finally finish up there? It was amped almost to the level of parody, like yeah. it's ridiculous. But they just about, you know, tread that line carefully. You do get the sort of like, oh, this is it, isn't it? This is the end of this rivalry kind of feeling. It does kind of like, it's been going on for some fucking yeah. time. If you're to believe their story, lol, it's been going on since Survivor Series 99. Well, in actuality, it's probably going on since Survivor Series 2000, but they reckoned that that was when they were going to say it was yeah. hilarious <laughs> and not Rikishi. But a, a lengthy storyline. Yeah, and like, I just, more than anything, I know it's probably like, you know, outstate its welcome a little bit, this rivalry, but considering the sort of the blow off that Austin and Triple H had before, I think it's nice that we are going to get this like steak dinner of a, you know, of a rivalry end. Yeah. They're going to do it properly and try and end it with justice. There will be two out of three falls. There will be no disqualifications and there will be no cars dropped off forklifts here tonight in Las Vegas. They have implemented zero tolerance. If either of these gentlemen touch each other in the run up to this match, Steve Austin was going to lose his WrestleMania shot or Triple H was going to be suspended for six months with pay. <laughs> Either you're going to lose your shot at WrestleMania or you're going to get a sweetheart Scott Steiner deal. You know, I, I kind of like that. Odd music in this video. Yeah. It, it sounds like someone's hitting beer bottles with drumsticks. <laughs> like I was really expecting them. I just thought it was the first stanza. Three stages of hell, and I will say I was very, very happy when I saw what the graphics were for this pay-per-view. If anything, this podcast has been quite indulgent for you, Adam, if, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah, First with the coffee. This past few months in particular. Yeah. You can see why I was such a massive fan of wrestling. Okay, it's it's moulded you, yeah. like, you know? Yeah, this pay-per-view, last one we had a coffee theme, and the one before we had a coffee theme, and the one before we had a coffee theme. Yeah. This one's got a Rubik's Cube theme. Yeah, Rubik's Cube of you, basically. Adam Bibolo likes Rubik's Cubes. Mm. It's a... It's, it's a stone cold to, to, to a worrying extent did you think when you saw this as a child that if I can solve this Rubik's Cube maybe there'll be peace in WWF maybe one day I'll be able to solve the Attitude Era in a podcast form. then you solve, the, solve the, the Rubik's Cube you get handed the championship belt that's <laughs> how it works it's really just like a graphic though it yeah. there's, there's nothing about a Rubik's Cube that can be applied to no way out unfortunately it, it is kind of like shown kind of like I've always uh, attained that wrestling got rather nerdy in late 2000 2000 or 2001 and you compare it to 
thing when it was like gambling and speeding trains yeah. and rockets. Oh, a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> WrestleMania 17 is going to be fucking pocket calculator come at you. It says WrestleMania 17 in numbers, you know? We start things off tonight in Las Vegas, Nevada, in front of a very hot and rapid crowd who are just excited that they're living in a world where there's WWF and XFL on TV. Hardcore Championship is on the line as Raven is taking on the returning Big Show. Big nasty Paul White is uh, back in full effect after his return at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Is it just me or is the fact that Big Show took a lengthy sabbatical because he had a bad attitude and was out of shape Yeah. and he's come back with what seems like an even worse attitude in worse shape yeah. and worse ring attire. <laughs> yeah. What is his little fucking... He looks rubbish, doesn't he? He looks so shy. Yeah. Like a pound shop wrestler. <laughs> like an absolute ridiculous. His big return amounted to literally nothing. Nothing at all. It was that one spot in the Rumble, and that was it, basically. Mm. He's part of the Rumble. He was in, like, the... He wrestled Rock for the number one contendership, because it was implied that he was in McMahon's back pocket. Really? But he goes from being number one contender to challenging for the hardcore championship. Yeah, against do. Raven. No, the opening match. Yeah, I mean, no knock on Raven by any stretch, but Big yeah, Show but is... I don't think he went away for a few months in OVW to come back and be ready to face Raven. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes, yeah, so amidst Big Show's fizzled out return, we have uh, Raven coming out with one of my favourite gimmicks of the Attitude Era, which is Raven's shopping cart of random yeah. objects. Yeah. There's some in there which aren't very hardcore at all. He has a basketball. What are you going to fucking do with that? Well, they don't hold grudges. You can use them as a display of Punjabi strength to to intimidate your opponent. You've got to understand, Billy, it's not always weapons because basically backstage it's a bit like supermarket sweep. Just grab what you can. He's got to run around with his trolley and fill it with as many items as possible. Sometimes there's an inflatable banana and there's all sorts of mischief. You're laughing now, but at the end of this match when Raven's hand is raised, Dale Wilton's going to pull off the big tag on that Frankenstein (laughs) figure. I mean, it's Worth a thousand pounds! You got Dale's bonus list! Yeah, he's got a lot of junk in there. Mm. One thing he doesn't have here, which he started having in, was just a bunch of random twigs. Yeah. Twigs. Just like, bracken. Bra- branches and leaves. Like, Raven's having a hardcore championship match. Go out and get me a switch. Like, yeah. you know? And a really high quality Frankenstein puppet while you're at it as well. Yeah, seriously. That's the WrestleMania props, you see. Like, they, they really spend the money on it. You'll see it next month. They, they kind of go for the um, Raven is homeless, therefore he has got a, a trolley. Because, you know, homeless people, they love collecting. Collecting tat, you know, there's no survival instinct there at all, you know. Just collecting any old, oh look, Raven's coming out with his collection of porcelain birds that he's fucking hit him in the head with. Oh, he's coming out with 17 of 20 parts of a build your own dinosaur model, you know. Raven also, also has a ninja. Which Jerry yeah. calls, uh, he has a female accomplice, which Jerry calls a shapely ninja. A shapely yeah. ninja. This was such a Sunday night heat angle for who, ninja. Is this someone who's going to like debut no, at some point? It's, it's just, actually someone who's technically returning. And this is a, the only appearance of on this pay-per-view. person on the who, podcast. Who is, who is it then? It does get wrapped up on like Sunday Night Heat. Mm-hmm. This basically the gimmick was that this shapely ninja was coming out and interfering in Raven's matches. I'd like you to guess who it is. So if it's a lady who's no longer was it maybe slightly more important and is no longer with us in the, the, the oh timeline. No, it's Sable. No, 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 Sable. no, no. Sonny? No, lower down no, the card. Lower down the card. People who are still under contract and maybe didn't leave in a trail of glory and yeah. lawsuits and sexual harassment. Babies? Trends. No, 
It's Tory. Yeah. Oh no. Did you um, know this, Adam? Then? Yeah, no, I did because I remember on heat. It was on heat. It wasn't even. It was such a minor deal, like, and no one gave a shit about it. That it just they revealed Channel it Four gave heat. a shit about it. They just pulled her mask off and it's like, oh, the ninja was Tory, and then that was it. From what I recall, she would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those meddling wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well mention this as her only appearance. Really, uh, Tory just kind of like big really? part disappeared, came back to the ninja. Yeah. Like, was that how it. important she was in the storyline yeah. with the Dudleys and X-Pac Kane yeah. with Stephanie and, like, big part of that faction mm-hmm. we, and really we, improved. We were really enjoying her when Absolutely. she just disappeared. But mind you, I completely forgot that she, like, existed. That's the thing. She yeah. did just disappear one day and I've completely forgotten about her. At the end of the Dudleys angle, they just kind of, they wrote her out because, mm-hmm. you know, she, she was put through the table and all that jazz and that was it. Once the McMahon-Helmsy faction were gone... She was gone. Yeah, and um, sad. Kind of like Midian in the corporate ministry just kind of disappeared without yeah, purpose. Yeah. Comes back in a bizarre, inexplicable gimmick and then gone again. Naked Midian and the ninja just sitting <laughs> in the hallways in Stanford going, what went wrong? <laughs> That's why you don't remember her, I think. It's just because she never had that chance to sort of get repackaged with an actual mm. character or, or identity. Yeah. Like, there's nothing memorable about Tori whatsoever, unfortunately. Sadly Other not. She was Xbox girlfriend. She was Kane's girlfriend. And Raven vocally saying a number of times, I don't need a sidekick. Like, <laughs> they paired her with Terry after this as well. Like, it's, uh, I don't. I literally don't need a serious <laughs> thing. Stop it. Big Show goes to work on Raven and it's quite one-sided. Jim Ross kind of starts making a big point and then realises he's burying the Big Show and kind of backpedals. <laughs> he goes, it ain't all about Saz and the WWF King because if it was, it'd just be the, the Big Show who would be doing well and oh. he's already doing quite well. Uh, just, oh. just kind of saying, if it was all about Saz, this guy would be opening a pay-per-view for yeah. the hardcore fans. His real feelings came out by accident there, I think. In the midst of this action, what appears to be a very small miniature version of Michael Hayes appears and attacks Raven. <laughs> Popcorn vendor. Popcorn yeah. vendor with uh, lengthy golden blonde hair wrapped up in a shitty ponytail. It's Crash Holly in, in a disguise. It took me far too long to realise who it was. Yeah. Like yeah. an embarrassing amount of time <laughs> to realise that's so f- totally Crash. You are seeing a very strange thing happening with the hardcore belt at the moment, which is... It becoming the realm of Kane, Big Show, and The Undertaker, and also Rhino, who's debuting soon mm-hmm. as well. At Test, also big men. It's almost as if they wanted the hardcore division at this point to become like the host division. Yeah. Yeah. And what's very strange as a result is that you get elements of hardcore championship past keep interfering in matches like mm-hmm. Perry Saturn and Hardcore Holly and Crash. And they get completely fucking jabroni days. Yeah. Crash comes in here and makes absolutely no impact. As then, out of nowhere, the big show, and I will say, to a massive pop, hits the final cut. The final cut. <laughs> the final cut. Oh, one of the worst ever. One of the worst finishing maneuvers ever. It's you... up there with the alley-oop, which was also <laughs> and the overdrive. The overdrive, <laughs> maybe. The overdrive versus the final cut are the two worst fucking moves. Yeah. Oh my god. What's actually going to happen at the end of the actor, people, is uh, for me to pay back for criticising WWF's booking and storylines. I'm going to be locked in a room and they're going to play uh, footage of Big Show hitting the final cut as my eyes are held open mm. and they play his entrance music well it's the big show <laughs> 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 you're the 
does come out the biggest mark on the other side, like Clockwork Orange style. Yeah, definitely. Come out, think the, think the final cut is a devastating manoeuvre. I will pop for that move. I remember as a kid, like I was never really one of those children that would actually like do wrestling moves with anyone else. I, that wasn't my kind of thing. But the one time, like um, during break in primary school, we snuck into the gym and we got on those big comfy blue mats and my mate tried to do the final cut on me. Of all the moves! And the, uh, the, the teacher just came in and was like, oh, you're going to break his windpipe, get off of him. And just like, I was so embarrassed. Like I never did any moves after that <laughs> That move was over. And like. now I look back, like it's just triply embarrassing. The fucking final cut, are you kidding me? I mean, me? I was going to say, I gave my, my cousin an X Factor on a school bag, but it was full of books. <laughs> <laughs> Like he was bleeding afterwards. It was like you know. At Jesus. least he, I mean, at least my embarrassing story doesn't involve the fucking the final, final cut. <laughs> Billy like you know breaks his leg doing the one and only. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Blackman and Bob Holly and the rest of the late 1999 mid card comes out and attacks the members of this match. The one Billy Gunn even Aww. appears. Former King of the Ring Billy Gunn, famous in Raven, and he, and he gets the pin. He yeah. gets the one, two, three on the PPV. Uh, goes from a very strong showing in the Royal Rumble Final Four down to you know getting a five second reign as a hardcore champion in a ring filled with rubbish. There's a lot, isn't it? Like, everywhere, yeah. popcorn like all over the place. Bob and Steve double team Billy Gunn. Raven wins the championship again, I think. Yeah, Raven Raven pins Billy. The ninja comes in, who's quickly taken care of by Molly Holly, who also makes a brief appearance. What a fucking clusterfuck. Yeah. And then Big Show hits the showstopper on a bin, which kills Raven and the credibility of the bin as it literally <laughs> pops out, like, you know, into the little cardboard bits that they stuck it together with. The little tabs come unfolded, you know. Big Show wins the championship. Mother of God, your hardcore champion is the Big Show. Well, well, it's the Big Show. And then Billy Gunn just comes in and falls over the top rope. The music stops and then just goes, well, well, it's the Big Show. What was that? You do not start a pay-per-view like that. You know, you don't start someone's music, stop it so a lad could fall out of the ring and then start it again. Talk about removing any heat that this has. Terrible, terrible match. Absolute garbage, rubbish. When we slaughtered, we slaughtered a bit of the late 2002 Hardcore Championship booking, saying that you know this was just crazy and ridiculous. Mm. And I'll be honest, it was in full effect here in early 2001. Yeah. This belt has lost its credence. You know, it's lost Dreadful. its reason to be here. The one thing I actually am happy about Big Show having the Hardcore belt, like he's pretty irrelevant nowadays, as you said. So it gives him something to do. And the hardcore division has been stale for ages, so, so at least it's a little different. bit of a shake-up, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I think it's just, while they're trying to have this Haas thing, when they seem to have the rest of the hardcore division being yeah. dragged, kicking and screaming into it. It's glaring. It's quite strange. Backstage, Kurt Angle is with Kurt Kelly, and they talk Kurt's three eyes: Intensity, Intelligence, and Integrity. Hey there, Kevin. You're here to wish me luck on my match? Well, actually, Kurt, I'm wondering how you feel about your big match tonight. Well, I'm doing just fine. I'm not sure how The Rock is doing after the beating I gave him last Thursday on SmackDown, but I'm doing super. It's only fitting that we're having this match here in Las Vegas, because Las Vegas has the highest percentage of losers than any other city in this country. And tonight, there will be one more loser added to that list, and that's the Brahma Bull. Uh, Kevin Kelly, of course, having the three Ks, which are Kevin, Kelly, and Kellogg's. KKK. Oh shit, actually, no. Uh oh. 
Uh, yeah, and Kurt just saying that he is very uh, confident going into tonight's match. An element of intensity not really matched by the fact that, you know, he's got to lose for definite. Got to lose, yeah. For absolute definite. He's going to lose. Coming up next. Oh, my God. Oh. I'm going to describe this as no mercy. Random four people picked. Set to hard mode. CPU is on. You put down the controller and you have a bloody night in. <laughs> it's Chris Jericho taking on Eddie Guerrero. Taking on Chris Benoit. Taking on that X to the P to the A to the C. Make some noise. It's a four-way for the Intercontinental Championship. I was given this match tonight just by looking at the cards. Mm-hmm. That is a nice matchup. Sir. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, we were going, how can we make Chris Benoit versus Chris Jericho even more interesting? Add X-Pac and Eddie Guerrero, please. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Backstage, Lillian Garcia, the big LG, interviews Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, who have reformed the Radicals and are become super buddy-buddy again, even though they're going into a match where... They're against each other. Well, you know, the Radicals are as tight as it gets. When it comes to the four-way for the Intercontinental Championship... You know, it's every man. Every man. thousand dollars. Hundred thousand. It really feels that the that the radicals like reform and then break up every month. Yeah, yeah seriously, awesome. things that every month is like on. I also love the way that um, Eddie says Lillian. He goes Lillian. I came up with breakfast food names for the two gentlemen. Is this to go along with your Kellogg's thing? For it is, yeah. I was, I'll be honest, I watched <laughs> Were this. Were you having breakfast? <laughs> I was. How could you tell? No way out of this delicious breakfast. <laughs> uh, there's no way out of, of having breakfast because it's the most important meal of the day. Particularly when you've got Eggy Guerrero. For fuck's sake. And crisp bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought X-Pox sounded like a good name for a cereal. Like, you know, kind of an extreme one that yeah. your teen child, you yeah. know, comes with a glow-in-the-dark compass or some Look, shit like that. Looks like the Chewitt's extreme packet. It's like green <laughs> and black. And Chris Jericho, I'm sorry, I've got nothing for you. I don't want you before 12 p.m. in my day. You know, I just can't deal with this. What a matchup in terms of in-ring ability on its own. Very, almost unrealistically high hopes going into this one. Can I ask a question here? Well, um, by all means, that's that's why we do well, yeah. this podcast. Has the crowd been edited in this? Well, I watched on the network, and they do edit crowd reaction now and then. Because yeah. I, I watched on the network as well, and. There's literally no sound whatsoever for X-Pac. I get that because he's widely hated. Mm-hmm. X-Pac, they're not going to give him a reaction. Then there's no reaction at all for Eddie. Like He, he gets a little more of an X-Pac, but really nothing. Yeah. But but the crowd go mental, at least, or the WWE let us hear the crowd go mental for Benoit. It's, 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 I don't think it thinks it's just the fact that those guys are more over. Like, it must be. They Eddie, never edited but, like but, that. But, I but will people say, love Guerrero, though. Well, not. Th- I mean, at this point, he's kind of healed. He's lost, you know, it's post-China stuff. So, I mean, out of the four guys, the two with the least juice with the crowd would be mm. uh, X-Pac, who's, you know, only come back recently, and Eddie, who's kind of would be lower than the card than Chris or Jericho. Jericho, obviously, massively over. Chris, you're beginning to see the squeaks and strains of an eventual face turn in this mm. match, where they're teasing tension between him and Eddie and the rest of the radicals that Benoit is kind of... You know, he can only be over as an in-ring performer for so long as a heel before the crowd start cheering for you. And, you know, he's had a year now. It's actually funny they point out on this, it's been one year since the Radicals have debuted. If you think now where these guys were a year ago compared to now, Chris yeah. Benoit and Eddie Guerrero are over as They've fuck. done exceptionally well. Absolutely. In one year to, like, 
not just being big high profile matches, but just to ingrain yourself as in if these guys were gone, the mid card would be completely different. Devastated. They yeah. wouldn't know what to do. Like guys would would be uh, would be in big trouble. Guess what's also imminent at this point, Adam? X Factor. X Factor, yes! Yo, you dealing with the X Factor. Yeah, I know, that's my main point of contention with this match is sure, in ring ability wise, these four guys are all on the same page. But in reality, X Pac should just not be anywhere near. No, he's really. not. These three have like you know they've had a good few months. Of I see featured really well. Yeah. It, it feels like X Pac's been gone as well. Yeah, well he has been gone, but like they've not changed it up at all. Sure, X Factor is still around the corner, but he comes out to his DX lights with his DX music. Yeah, it is same fucking he, uniform he always wears. He's really not changed since '98. Well, it's like he's got everything he's ever wanted, but he'll never give that back. <laughs> I know you hate X Factor, but I mean... You don't I, look at me like that. You don't look at me like that. Take that look off your face. <laughs> what I described was, I feel that X-Pac was like an unlockable character in this N64 scenario. We had three guys who were in the current show, and then this kind of guy whose contract expired, but you know, THQ included him anyway. Very much like Ken Shamrock in No Mercy, I yeah. felt. X-Pac's inclusion here, and hence the inexplicable late 99. No, nothing has changed. Entire yeah. music lights and etc. Now, if if Billy is ever to see X Factor, we will have to watch the dark match from WrestleMania 17 because X Pac's not even on the card. Yeah. So, like, if you so we'll have to watch the dark match then. Maybe just watch the entrance. Like, yeah. I just want you to you see, see X Factor. Who's in X Factor? The only thing I know about the X Factor is the theme song is done by Uncle Cracker. Uncle Cracker. And they didn't ask their permission to <laughs> no. use that either. No. So. For fuck's sake. Very much uh, on the your, nose there. Your boy Brian Zane pointed out like that on the actual, the original Uncle Cracker song, it's like, I know you hate that fact, but in the X Factor version, you can hear it still says it, but <laughs> oh, just I over the top of it. X Factor. Like, but you ain't right gonna it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same X Factor as you, you're dealing with so, the X Factor. Yeah. So it's the same approach as you've been there, done that video with the uh, Christmas coming home. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Poor editing. So yeah, X Factor, of course, is imminent because we're seeing now with ECW folding at this moment in time and being declared bankrupt, as proceedings are going on and people are being owed money left, right and centre, some castaways are making their presence known. We have, of course, Rhino and Spike imminently debuting. We've already had Raven, but uh, just incredible mm-hmm. uh, joining the ranks of WWF and becoming buddy-buddy with X-Pac with a tentative link that they were kind of in the... They were the they were the bannermen of the click during the late 90s or whatever. Happy to see Just Incredible in WWF but very much appears that they have no plans for him whatsoever. I don't know who he is. The only thing I know about Just Incredible is he, he was on the plane ride from hell. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's all I know about the Big Star ECW was champion for in a year. Some people would say, though, he was only champion because of, you know, the way he was booked. But Heyman just like could have done that with any guy. His story was the young punk yeah. who had no respect for anyone. And kind of Heyman... It was never really about him, it was about... More, yeah, but it's still a very amazing wrestler. Just incredible. Um, His matches with Jerry Lynn, uh, standout ones for for definite, I would say. I'd say that like the damage that they did to him, because it was only about three or four years ago that I even found out that Just Incredible was a big deal. I remember like someone mentioned his name and I was like, Just Incredible, what are you on about? Like, he's, he's legit. Because 
when he came to WWF, he seemed like such a chump yeah. hanging around with X Park, yeah. like and just being featured in matches on the Sunday sidekick, night. sidekick, yeah, fighting yeah. fucking Brian Christopher on the dark match for WrestleMania. Yeah, it's really, really bad. I didn't even realize that he was a legit wrestler. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't go well for his two finishing moves were sweet chin music and a tombstone pile driver. Going into WWE, create a wrestler. <laughs> make me the best. I want a four fifty tombstones. Make me the young bucks. <laughs> So, we start things off with some incredible action from these four. Although there is a scary leapfrog botch at the start when Jericho tries to send Eddie Guerrero sailing over into the corner and he mm. misses and Eddie nearly smashes his face. Hard chops from all four men in this one as well with Chris and Eddie working over Y2J and just beating the dog fuck out of each other. Mm. Really love this kind of style, this hard-hitting style from the mid-cards. X-Pac has this weird habit at the moment trying to emphasize his kung fu. Yeah. And um, if anyone who's like knows anyone who's obsessed with StarCraft, uh, I believe what, what he's doing is showing off his micro skills, mm. when he's just showing his hand moving <laughs> in the air so that he can do loads of shortcuts on a keyboard really quickly. Anytime X-Pac does a kick, he just starts typing invisible keys and kind of going <laughs> mad like that. I'm very impressed by it, but I don't know if it has any room in a, in a wrestling match, X-Pac. Yeah. Maybe he's like Neo and he's like changing the Matrix. He, <laughs> he can see it, he's, he's twisting reality. Yeah. It's yeah. really embarrassing though, isn't it? Like, cause X-Pac's in- always been embarrassing though, like, there's always, been, bad. there's always been that air of watching X Pug and just going, oh, come on, mate, you but can do better. It's like watching that. someone like David Brandt thinking he knows what he's doing. Like He's just there pretending that he knows karate and stuff now and X- posing. X Pug doing his pose and all this stuff is like big show with his big vape at the whole uh, thing. <laughs> right, we get it. Okay, oh, do you want me to ask about your martial arts? Is that it? <laughs> that big thing you keep going on about? X Pug eats a frog splash from Eddie Guerrero and the action is coming quick and fast. Sadly, however, on the outside of the ring, there still is lots and lots of popcorn from the previous match. Um, it is everywhere, and um, I'm just saying, if you're taking a move on the outside, you get a popcorn kernel stuck in your shoulder mm-hmm. blade. I mean, injuries have happened for less. One of those unpopped ones, like a BB. X-Pac, some of his kicks are very, very stiff. A particularly dodgy one when he does a spin kick to Benoit, and he literally knocks his block off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to see Chris Benoit taking noticeably hard shots to the head when I'm, it's like it just makes me go Aah! to me it doesn't look like he's being stiff it looks more like that kind of like China kind of stiffness where it almost seems accidental Cold like oh, sorry yeah. whoops Ooh, oh my bad right. oh you were going to run into my part of my body I didn't realise that Bridging German suplex to Y2J and the No Mercy comparisons continue. The Mega Radicals then, it boils over and they explode as we have Benoit and Guerrero going at it one-on-one, which is really amazing. When you see the crowd react to this, you know that they want... This is great. You've conditioned the crowd to want to see someone turn face because they want to see him wrestle. They want to see Benoit and Guerrero wrestle. And that's cool. That's really, really cool. A pop-up Hurricane Run as well at one point into the corner was a move that made me go, holy shit. And in an era where I'm watching NXT every week and being wowed considerably and frequently, um, it was nice that in a 2001 pay-per-view I could still sit up out of my seat and go, ah, you know? Yeah. You know, the Attitude Era did have that those moments, particularly in 2000 2001. Massive superplex to Eddie and Chris Benoit, which results in double pins. And the referee actually counts down yeah. two pins at once. Uh, that made me laugh. I <laughs> Very really enjoyed that. Chikara slash yeah, ECW yeah. manic, like, you know, 
Chris and Chris go at it at last. The sound of the slaps. Oh, These two just go fucking at it. Absolutely belting the shit of each other. And I like as well that we always mention it with Rock and Austin where they do think they clear the ring. You know, they had a little bit of that here where yeah. they where they cleared the wing of the other two guys was down to Jericho and Benoit, which is that's the rivalry. Yeah. And the crowd mm. picked up and that was really, really magic. Am I right in thinking this might be my memory failing me, but at some point after the Attitude Era, maybe around invasions, these guys end up tagging with yes, each other. Yes, they do. Yeah. Right after one of the main forces of uh, friends that comes together to take on the villainous mega group that forms after SMA 17. Oh, yeah. So, shush, shush. shush, shush. We do get um, Jericho and Benoit teaming eventually, though. We, uh, we also get Jerry saying that Benoit loves hurting people, and I mean, that did make me wince, won't lie. Yeah, no, there's uh, no short. I mean,. I don't agree with the thing they were doing on WWE On Demand where they got rid of any instance of them saying, let's cheer for Chris Benoit. Good job by Chris Benoit. Any positive word associated with them. But ones like that still do make you feel a bit, you know? Beautiful counter by Chris Jericho into the walls of Jericho on Chris Benoit. And then Eddie Guerrero comes in and he eats the walls of Jericho. Then X-Pac comes in and he eats the walls of Jericho. Stuff like this is what made me pop as a kid. Yeah. When yeah. a guy is like on fire, untouchable, he's on special mode. Infinite finishes. This is, like, <laughs> this is really like how you get like... Jericho's super over. I mean, he's, he's yeah. already over now, but this is like, just cements it that mm-hmm. like, they have this, they have an idea for him now. They're going to, he's going to be going up the card. He and is a bad dude. Like, yeah. What I like as well is that I'm being now conditioned as a fan where like with Foley, where I expected there's going to be a big car crash spot when I watch Jericho wrestle, I feel like there's going to be something like spectacular or some kind of real, holy shit, wow, like mm. not just a move that's dangerous or risky, but just kind of a sequence of events that will get you fired up. And I get that with every one of Jericho's matches we've had in the last few months. Out of nowhere, it's the aforementioned Just Incredible. I just want to mention as well, Just Incredible's entrance music. Did you, I don't know if you remember that one. Just had to mention it. Game show thing. It's shit. <laughs> X marks the spot to Chris Benoit. Yes, I know the name of X Factor's finishing maneuver. X marks the spot. That's why we kick it. Arr, where's the treasure buried? Arr. Over there. Kick it with your feet. Arr. X marks the spot. Because you know the way two legs come together and form an X. They don't. It's more like a V. <laughs> I like that they're trying. Yeah, they're trying to make it an actual team with branding and stuff. But, but when there's people like us out there, there's no point in trying that. <laughs> that's, that's the moral of the story. <laughs> Look at them trying that. <laughs> X Fuchter, followed by the Lion Salt, leads to no winning, and then Chris Benoit comes in in this crazy sequence of finishers, gets the crossface locked in on Jericho, and then one of the sickest counters ever is Eddie Guerrero comes in and hits a wicked sitting neck breaker. Oh, oh my yeah. god. Oh my good god in heaven. Amazing. Unbelievable. Jericho then in a desperation move, and fittingly, like the N64 classic this is, gets the backward special of the victory roll. <laughs> the seldom used backward special of the victory roll puts him away. One, two, three. Jericho retains in an incredible match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. We come out of this match with more fire on Jericho. We've maybe established uh, X Factor somewhat. But the important thing is that the radicals, the strain is there, the tension is there, which is going to start boiling over now as we head into WrestleMania 17 with Benoit finally turning face. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on this one, guys? As you said, excellent match. And like you mentioned, Billy, just the fact that they're actually really building up Jericho as this legitimate wrestler, so good. And my favourite thing about it is the fact that 
you know, Jericho walked away with the Intercontinental belt again. It's Convincing a, win. It's a proper reign that he's having right yeah. now. They're not just swapping around the mid-card belts. He actually is a champion that needs to be stopped, you know? Really good stuff. I didn't like how it ended in a roll-up. I think the nice thing with the roll-up, I guess, was that it was showing that it was so frantic and everyone yeah. was hitting their finishers that it was just going to be a quick roll-up as other shit was happening, Chance. you know? Mm-hmm. Which, I guess, makes it seem that it's, you know, Jericho's maybe not dominant. He's just, you know... Good or lucky or yeah. whatever, you know. Clever, like, but, you know, yeah. But I did way. thoroughly enjoy the match. Oh man, guys, seriously, check out this one. Uh, if you, it's one. This is like definitely a match which I don't think anyone I've ever hear, heard recommend or go on about. But this four-way from No Way Out 2001, you owe it to yourselves to check it out. Incredible stuff. Just all the the, the best thing about the mid card in late 2000s and early 2001, all summed up in one match. Love it. Backstage, Triple H is getting ready. He's getting his hands wrapped up in salad tape. And then further backstage, Vince McMadman pressures the very confused Commissioner William Regal in a very, very confusing manner. You realize, William, this whole Stephanie versus Trish, this whole match idea was your idea. You realize that. And you realize that Stephanie is my precious daughter, my precious daddy's little girl. And you realize that Trish is my very good friend. So therefore, since this match, this one-on-one match was your idea, I'm confident you'll know what to do. Matter of fact, when the time is right, I know you'll know exactly what to do. Yes, certainly. Yes. I know what to do. How the bloody hell am I supposed to know what to do? He is so confused, poor Willie Regal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So later on tonight, we have got the ultimate climax and showdown as Trish is taking on Stephanie. The winner gets to sleep with Vince McMahon, I think. I think that's what Vince is hoping for. Vince is like, now, you know who Stephanie is? Daddy's little girl. Right, don't call your Don fucking Mello. daughter. He's turning into Don Donnell. Don't turn. Bring call, out the girl. Don't call your your daughter that. That is. Don't put a snarl in your voice yeah. when you describe it. He goes, yeah. but you know that Trish is... Daddy's little girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, he calls Trish's special friend. Oh. So he's like, I trust you know what to do. And William Regal's all like, but, uh, oh, but, uh, but, uh, and the Yamamoto agreement is coming in. <laughs> I love Commissioner Regal constantly be put in like this unreadable situation. Yeah. yeah, he's in Vince's back pocket, but like, that's no benefit to him. Mm. It is a bad thing that he is in Vince's pocket because Vince. He's mad at the moment. And Vince doesn't know in his own mind whether he wants Trish to kind of be his, like, I don't know, new wife? Or if he wants it to be him and Stephanie and he doesn't have any love. I'm so confused by it. But, yes, Trish Stratus taking on Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. This match is fucking huge and was one of the most hyped up ones going into it. Let's have a wee gander at the old video package.
placed in this private sanitarium, which, quite frankly, cost me a lot of money. Dad and I took care of Mom. But now I've got another meddlesome bitch to deal with. I think you have a very bright future. There's only one dominant female in this family, and that's me. You have got this all wrong. Mr. McMahon and I, we are just friends. You should have stayed in the back seat where you were more comfortable. I am sick and tired of all the rendezvous and all of the bubble baths. I am the dominant female. Now you can learn that the easy way, or I can teach it to you the hard way. Are you threatening I will say, first and foremost, this angle was incredibly over. The crowd reactions, the segments they did, and also the fact that it was centering around two women, and you had the likes of Vince McMahon, Triple H, Kurt Angle, all being support characters in this story about two women, which I have to say, for the Attitude Era, is pretty much unheard of. Yeah. True. And you've got two women as well, neither of which have any considerable wrestling experience. Mm. And yet this match has got a serious, big fight feel to it. Stephanie, of course, has been angered at Trish's many, many obvious indiscretions with Vince. Some of the highlights include Trish giving Vince a shiatsu massage. Trish being in a bubble bath and calling Vince up. Trish giving Vince a massage again. <laughs> Vince giving Trish a massage. Vince cleaning up Trish's breasts once they got cream thrown on them in a cat fight scenario. Oh, fuck's sake. Vince spanking Trish Stratus. Oh, come on. What context could there possibly have been where it's okay for Vince to be spanking her on air? She was being naughty, man. That, that is literally the excuse they came up with. Fucking hell. And... I w even though I said to start, wasn't oh, it nice that there's two women and they're kind of getting a featured storyline? This went from this veered wildly between wow, two two characters who got a story. This want to see these guys fight. To your hair is a bitch. Mm. Some of the verbiage between Trish and Steph, it's like I'd do anything for your dad, Stephanie. Yeah, Trish, I know you would. Like have sex with him, or like I'd bend over backwards for this company. No, Trish, you just bend over. Y you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? Trish, you have sex with people. I hate you, Trish, because <laughs> you have sex with my dad. Stephanie seems to have what can only be described in the writing of this as a reverse Oedipus complex, where normally a young man grows up, wants to kill his father and marry his mother. Stephanie is positioned in the fact where she wants to grow up, kill her mother or put her in a vegetative state, as she's done, and then marry her father in Vince McMahon, who seems only too happy for this to go on. I so mean, happy that he wrote the storyline. Yeah. Like, in Vince's mind, like this is like a win-win for him. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, like, I, can, I, have I can marry both. one of these hot brats. <laughs> I mean, Vince McMahon has been on record as saying that he wanted there to be an angle where he fathered uh, Stephanie's baby. Hmm. 
Okay, so forgive me for jumping to this conclusion here. Yeah. That's likely. It's you very know, likely. That Vince McMahon is like that weird guy who introduces a mild kink with the eventual idea of going towards anal sex. That's where Vince oh, is going with this. Yeah. I know what you're planning, Vince McMahon. I, I really would have like loved to have seen how that storyline played out. Because I know that Steph just put the kibosh on it. It's like, yeah. this is not happening. Because I would have loved to have seen what Vince's idea of what the baby would look like. Because I'm, I'm really I'm, handsome. I'm, no, no, I'm expecting. I'm expecting like it'd be like a perfect like Aryan child, or I'm expecting like um, the baby from a Razorhead. No, no. You, th- you see, what I'm thinking is it'd be a chance to debut someone to the roster, and like it'd be like, like baby's age, like really, really quickly. Just given birth like a week ago, and because it's McMahon's brilliant genes, like the baby's already turned into this wrestling guard. Vince, I finally got the way. We gonna get Billy Gunn over. <laughs> <laughs> Clear your schedule. Get me a wet nurse and <laughs> inbred Billy Gunn. So, yeah, I was very, very excited for this match as, you know, we're coming into it for a variety of reasons. But, you know, this was very much a match where people maybe can sit down and go, oh, there's a cool story going in and Vince can use a justification if there's a payoff and all that. The majority of people sitting down watching this were hoping to either A, have a wank or B, plan on having a wank later on. That is kind of how they were positioning this. Like, it's going to be this, like, cat fight, which it isn't for most of the match. Not all of it, no. But, like, they did this whole thing where, like, Regal was, like, kind of, you know, if you put these two on pay-per-view, you know, people would pay loads. And Vince is like, my God, it's <laughs> so fucking hot. Can you imagine, you know? So this is all essentially about it's wank or bank. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, we get a quick cut to WWF New oh. York as they're promoting Buster Rhymes' new single. Who with- the fuck cares? Oh. Jesus. It- Buster Rhymes' new single with The Rock. It doesn't matter. Oh. Once and for all, we'll know who the biggest trash bag hoe of the World Wrestling Federation ah. is. Right. Yeah. Can you believe that Tess did that? We interviewed Tess. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, what I liked about this, though, was Tess saying that he'd happily watch Trish and Stephanie fight because he's been wronged by both of them. Yeah, well, well that's it, the I know that's not what they were going into it thinking. But well, it, that, that, was, that was the idea because Tess, now that he's left... Uh, TNA is now getting a bit of a you know you, European titles in your future kind yeah. of mid card lower push and they're putting him over as kind of like yeah women am I right because Stephanie was mean to him and Trish was mean to him and he's like ah all women are crazy dog you, you know? just need to grow a little neck beard and <laughs> yeah like a lot of people are going to look at that and go yeah <laughs> fedora which says bad bones on it <laughs> I get where you're coming from Billy like but the fact that both of them have wronged him but he doesn't come across like that at all. No, so he like, doesn't. Tess, was... are you excited for this match? <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see these two babes like, get that, that's, that's more something that I <laughs> came up with after watching it. Is yeah. like, I, I, that was me reading into the reality too is, much. Then he's a horrible jock. Like that's yeah. all he's there. He's like, oh, you're gonna head roll around and take their clothes off. Like, yeah, that's the thing. You've got the guy right with Tess who's been given all these storylines, and you know what? I, I, honestly, if you get had someone like. 
you know when you hear these guys who are really scrappy and they're giving a real shit story and they're like you know what fuck it let, you know Steve Austin the Hollywood Blondes yeah. kind of, you know what fuck it let's make it work or Foley the way he would write in all of his like you know like if he didn't get a push or like he didn't like Dude Love he wrote that into why he became Cactus Jack or yeah. Mankind and then you got Test here who's you know slipping down the card but you've got connections to two main event talents mm-hmm. and you could do this whole thing where like you know I've been screwed over by all these people and he doesn't no doesn't do anything with it all Test's experiences have amounted to is making him mispronunciate his worms <laughs> and that is really kind of shit we also get an ad for the Rock is all over the Billboard charts yeah. in this one, folks. Another ad for uh, Doing After Music Volume 5 featuring everyone's favourite anti-Asian ballad to platonic love, Pie. The Rock says I don't like people from other countries. <laughs> Coming over here speaking that weird language, shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah. So we have Tristratus coming out, taking on Stephanie McMahon at last. Trish with the diamond earrings and mink coat that Vince McMahon has given her, to which Jim Ross quips, Trish didn't get that mink coat off WWF.com. <laughs> <laughs> I love that um, just as she's walking out, she, I can't even remember who she's talking to, but she says, all right, I've got to go. I've got a bitch to slap. <laughs> yeah, Stephanie. Like, yeah. And then like um, we have Steph, we have, well, I'm calling her Steph Berg. Coming out of the locker room, walking down the corridor. (laughs) (laughs) Spitting everywhere, (laughs) punching lockers. (laughs) Stephanie and Trish have huge heat when they come out. And my God, I have to say, like, you know when you have the two people square off in the crowd, you're like, yes, fucking yes, come on, do it. And they have gotten a reaction that I've not seen with two women in the ring, probably in the entire podcast, which is crowds kind of going, fight, now, go, yeah. and that's something. Steph's face incre- is incredible. She looks like someone's just pissed on her kids. Like, <laughs> it's an amazing face from her. She looks murderous. And, you know, people always, like, rag on the fact that, you know, Steph and Vince were involved in these way too numerous McMahon segments at the time. But there is no doubt in anyone's mind that, like, Steph was able to get through this match with minimal training on the sole basis that she was good at conveying emotion. Mm. And you could buy her storyline in it. She was really, really good here, I think. Mm. And it's the first time Steph was really impressed in a wrestling match and anything we've done on the podcast. Trish and Steph go at it and beat the fuck out of each other. Trish's tights get a bit unadjusted and she has one of her butt cheeks hanging out and when she notices and fixes it, the heat from the crowds. What a heel. Whoa, what a heel. They go fucking ballistic. Trish Stratus is a snap DDT on Stephanie and wow, Trish has improved. We noticed a few times where Trish was getting better and better but some of the moves she pulls out here, this cool corner choke she does as well. Yeah. Uh, unique offense. Really impressed by the improvement here. All these cool moves. Of course, we do get our stereotypical attitude error spots, including Trish being doused in cold water on the outside. To which Jerry shouts, My t-shirt! My t-shirt! <sighs> now, I was watching this with Joe from How To Wrestling, and I go, well, that's obviously quite sexist. You know, asking for a woman's opinion on it. And she said, well, do they do it to the men? And I go, well, I guess they do. They always... Do spit water, throw water at each yeah. other. Difference is Jerry Lawrence go, wet t-shirt, wet t-shirt, <laughs> when he does it to mankind. <laughs> Even though there's just as much chance of seeing a nipple. Yeah. Stephanie power bombs Tris Stratus. Pop up power bombs. But yeah. seriously, yeah. it's broken over. over. <laughs> 
And then we get our other Attitude Era spot, which I firmly believe, if it wasn't for this spot, I would have a very favourable opinion to this match, which is where she pulls down Trish's trousers and starts spanking her. Yeah. Like, let's not take ourselves too seriously, folks. Where's the right to censor when you need them? See, they're, they're fucking twiddling their thumbs yeah. backstage here. Regal comes out and is very confused. He hurts Trish in the confusion. Steph wins as a result. He kind of like... Puts Steph on top of Trish, and so he puts Trish on top of Steph, then thinks better of us. Then puts gives... Steph put Steph's leg on the rope. Yeah. She confronts uh, Trish, confronts Regal, she pushes him, slaps he him. slaps her. No, she slaps him, and then she, oh, he pushes her over. And no, he, he, he gives her the Regal cutter. Yeah. Like, what a psycho is William Regal like? I think he's like hit more women in this podcast than Jeff Jarrett. Mm. I love the indecisive, like, bumbling around. Oh, man. It's yeah. because, like, he doesn't know what to do. And, like, the whole time during the commentary, like Jerry and Jr. are saying, like I, I feel kind of sorry for Regal. Yeah. I have no idea what Vince wants him to do. It was like, like Mr. Bean. I thought yeah. Was, yeah, that's what I love the most about Regal being the commissioner is that like he's the heel authority figure, but there's like so many occasions where he's in like a really tough spot or whatever, and he just takes his frustrations out on the face wrestler. So yeah. he's like not the the big maniacal authority figure. He's like the he's the, a puppet. the bumbling fool that's been left in charge yeah. to do the bidding of the actual the big higher up. Because he's got a big job title, he thinks it's all okay. Yeah. Even I, it's, it's brilliant great Regal again so many layers to the character mm-hmm. and wow he does a great he does a great job here advancing this storyline Stephanie wins this like unexpectedly amazing match in some ways I mean I remember as a kid thinking that this was just going to be you know it was going to be TNA basically and nothing mm-hmm. else and considering neither of these two could wrestle I was like well they're going to take each other's clothes off and, and that was it and there was an element of that in there but you still did have like it's like when you hear you know, Bill Alfonso, the referee, and Beulah and ECW beating the shit out of each other, even though neither of them could wrestle, mm. just you know to earn a spot or whatever. And I felt you had a bit of that here, where you just had two people who didn't maybe have all the technical skills in the world, but kind of went hell for leather. And I think the results were quite positive. I don't know what you guys thought of this match. I enjoyed it. I, know. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised with some of the spots and some of the things they managed to pull off. Like seriously, fucking fair play to both of them, considering how little experience they'd had at this point. But I really just didn't like the match, the premise, the build, the whole thing. You sound like the Vince Trish. That's it. Still, all boils down to that. I know it's great that like we've got two women who have been put in a you know like loads of airtime as yeah. part of the storyline, and the crowd are all like fight, fight, fight. But I still think it's a 2001 crowd. They're really just there to see. Yeah, the that's doc- true. They're not there going like, oh, that was a good spot they just did. They're yeah. there like, come on, roll around on the floor and pull each other's clothes off. I think this crowd would have been went home just as happy if they got just that problem. Yeah, they would have, I think. I and guess just by including a few nice spots in here, it just aged a bit better than some of the other TNA yeah, stuff they did. Yeah, that's all it is. And like the storyline essentially is about Vince. I know these two mm-hmm. have the heat with mm-hmm. each other, but he is the thing that's really set this whole thing off. And I just think like, Fair play, dedicating all this time to the women, but it would have been much better spent on someone like Lita or no Ivory. women's championship match tonight. tonight for That's example, that's the thing. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know, Ivory's yeah. not around. Lita, where the fuck is she? Like, yeah. you know, there's there's so many other women they could be putting attention on rather than getting two women that can't even wrestle just so they can do this McMahon feud. No, fair, fair point. Vince McMahon backstage gives out to William Regal, and he's like, I thought I told you what I wanted. <laughs> you clearly didn't, like. And he says, the next night it's going to be Vince and Trish taking on Steph and William Regal, which is an odd encounter, to say the least, yeah. which yeah. ends very, very poorly for, for young Trish. It ends up being like this whole... Like, the match never really actually happens, because... 
the whole night you're led to believe that Vince is obviously sided with Trish and he's like he's gonna like fuck over uh, Stephanie and Regal and then it comes down to like William Regal like leaves Stephanie alone he tags her and he walks away and says he wants no part to do with it so it ends up being Vince and Stephanie in the ring and not the only time they've been in the ring folks sadly mm-hmm. enough and then Vince turns on Trish and covers her in like cow shit and stuff mm-hmm. and Aww. sick and he's like, you thought you were daddy's little girl. You want to play, pal? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, yeah. He's, he said that he was playing with her, but playtime's over. <laughs> we'll get into what happened on the on the outset of that in the next episode. But needless to say, how Trish responds to that maybe isn't how yeah. you think. But as it stands, Vince and Trish, they're finito after this one. We, um, we got a really weird advert for WrestleMania. Yeah, what the like, oh, yeah. seriously like, like the Lion King or something. No, I, was, like, I wrote down, but it looks like a memorial for dead soldiers. <laughs> like we're remembering the fallen. Tribute like, to the troops. It, was, it, it really seemed like uncharacteristic of, of of a WrestleMania advert. Yeah, yeah. no, it was very saccharine. Um, I thought it was a way to describe it. I remember in the build to WrestleMania this year as a kid, all this promotion and everything they did about it really did make WrestleMania feel like. Oh, this is a serious. This the WrestleMania is going to be a very serious matter. Like you know, it was being built up as being like this is the WrestleMania. Well, we got all these fucking shots of sunset and then old people crowded around a TV together, expecting Michael Parkinson to walk in and expect it to tell you if you know, if you're not started saving for if something went wrong. <laughs> and you get a free Parker, Parker pen, pen yeah. just for inquiring about <laughs> WrestleMania 17. <laughs> Coming up next, don't call it two out of three falls. It's the three stages of hell as Stone Cold Steve Austin takes on Triple H, and it's time for a big old recap.
not going to make me lose my control. It's not going to make me get suspended for six months. But it is going to make me have an answer. What the hell are they doing? Got the penalty on JR! Penalty to JR! Boy, the game is smart and he knows how close the rattlesnake and JR! So Survivor Series 99 all the way through to Survivor Series 2000 all the way into 2001 this long 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 storyline is finally concluding. Mm -hmm. I really for that reason alone I really feel like it should have been the main event if I'm honest. You know Kurt Angle's going to lose the title. The main event is a foregone conclusion. Yeah, and this is really, uh, this is really early. It's our fourth match. Yeah. yeah, halfway through the show, you couldn't do them back to back, obviously, because of the, yeah. the nature of it. I think that was just then because this whole idea was then to build towards their eventual match at WrestleMania 17. I think they wanted to point out the important thing about the match at 17 was the title, the title that's not, very true, not Steve actually. Austin. That's very true. And you probably could, I could imagine Steve Austin and The Rock both saying, actually, no, we sh you know, yeah. this is the match that should go It on is match. about the title. And yeah. I think, it, you know, even though it's awkward in terms of pacing on this show, it, it was the better thing to that's do. true. Because when it comes to WrestleMania 17, no one gives a shit about this match. Mm. This feud is over, over after this. As a matter of fact, I don't think Austin and Triple H wrestle each that's other. That's it. This is um, and this is it. the last time, as yeah. far as I know. So both men have cost each other the championship on separate occasions. Zero tolerance, of course, is in effect. One of my favorite segments from Raw was when they had the contract signing for this, and Austin signed it, and then Triple H signed it, and then he beat up Steve Austin, like pedigreed him onto, yeah. the, onto the contract, and Vince is like, you're suspended for six months, pal! <laughs> and then Triple H's like, oh yeah? Basically, I only signed one H. <laughs> He's like, God damn it, you know you're two H's short of a suspension, pal. <laughs> it's, it's just like the fucking ending to the first uh, series of unfortunate events. But, oh, but I wrote the contract with my left hand, <laughs> not my right hand. That is a hardcore reference. <laughs> Lemony Snicket didn't know how to book Florida for shit. <laughs> Serious respect points, man. So we do have the unfortunate incident of showing Steve Austin beating up another man's wife as he stunned Stephanie to get to Triple yeah. H. You don't want to have footage of that on the network, folks. Well, to be fair, Triple H gets his revenge by stunning, uh, by pedigreeing Stone Cold's wife, Jim Ross. <laughs> 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 they, they soon make up for it right after. Seriously, it was, it was it was interesting watching it to see what my actions up were because I was like Austin Stunner's staff and I was like yeah get her. I mean as soon as ped as soon as the Jr gets pedigreed I'm like oh no. <laughs> you <laughs> Stephanie's like the personification of evil. Yeah. Why would anyone want to beat up a poor, sweet, innocent, white middle-aged American? <laughs> He's got a hard job of it. His farm in Oklahoma is not doing so well today. <laughs> oh, Stephanie, she got everything handed to her. Damn women! <laughs> this match starts off a hundred miles an hour, as Steve Austin tends to with his high-profile mm. yeah. ending matches. Triple H coming into a motor head. Yeah. yeah. All about the, the game. game. How you play it. All about control. If you can make it. Mm. Excited to hear a live performance. Of coming that. soon. Coming soon. Oh, really? Oh, yes. To a oh. podcast near you, Billy Keel. Uh, seriously, one of the themes that's lasted for an eternity. True that, yeah. To this day, but, still uh -huh. used. But he does have two others as well, though. Both yeah. motorhead all, 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 yeah. all motorhead. Triple H has got his shiny and alternate cards for his, uh, his theme song. <laughs> 
Jim Ross talks about in this match how Steve Austin can wrestle and Triple H can brawl, so he has no advantage. Our rules in this one, the first match is a regular wrestling match mm. as it's been built. The second one being a street fight. The third one being a steel cage match, if it comes to that. But of course, neither man would have you believe that would happen. You know? Of course not. Triple H said he picked these rules because Triple H won. Um, the guy, they could pick their the guys who could be on their their side like who could wrestle for them and they had to like get uh, random drawing lotto numbers and uh, Triple H got Billy Gunn and Austin got Rikishi right. so uh, Triple H and like it was all buddy buddy with Billy Gunn he's like hey I'm the one Billy Gunn now I don't <laughs> I march to the beat of my own drum you know <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Billy Gunn beat Rikishi in a hilarious moment everyone's yeah oh wait no <laughs> why would you put the Rikishi loses and Steve Boss is like, oh god damn it, Rikishi lost. <laughs> so Triple H picked the three stages of hell. The idea being he would break his spirit in the first fall, break his bones in the second <laughs> fall, and then take care of whatever is left in the third fall. That is assuming that he's accepting he's going to win one of the first two falls. Yeah, no, Triple H should be like winning the first two falls and be like, no, fuck it, bring the cage down. Let's finish <laughs> one this. more time. I would actually really like to see a wrestler do that. Like, they do the two, they, they win the first two falls, but then just because they're like such a heel, you like, get such a good heat from they, that, just, yeah. they just do it anyway. Two ain't enough, man, I need three. <laughs> Austin works the arm at the start of this match, and we do get some really interesting, like, actual mat wrestling. Wrestling. So it's been a while since we've seen Austin do something like and that. And Austin can do it. You're seeing some moves in here which you do not see. Austin hit, like, a an arm breaker, shades of, like, Alberto Del Rio yeah. like that, and a sweet spine buster as well from Austin. Triple H, on the other hand, is working the surgically repaired neck of Steve Austin. Great psychology of this one. I love the idea that these guys know that they have three matches going into it, so they're not going for like... They're not going hell for leather. No, they're, they're trying to wear down something that means they'll be fucked later on. Austin, like, working the arm, thinking maybe Triple H won't be able to put on the pedigree or climb a cage. It's really, really smart. Figure four gets locked in, and uh, Austin, of course, is a man of many targets, as they point out in commentary, with both his legs and his neck being shite. And yeah, they re recreate one of my favourite all-time spots from uh, Mayhem in Manchester. Using the ropes. What? Using the fucking ropes? Are you using the fucking goddamn motherfucking ropes? <laughs> Fuck off, you fucking fucker. <laughs> Love it. Austin gets a fiery comeback with Triple H diving off the ropes and eating a stone cold stunner. And around seven minutes in, we have the first fall ending to Steve Austin, which is kind of implying... That like Triple H, even though he would have been pricked as the technical the of the technical two, master, the cerebral yeah. assassin loses to Austin, who would have been seen as the brawler, and then Fall Two starts and it's a street fight, and people are like, "Oh shit, this is Austin's forte," mm. and we start things off by running to the outside with Steve Austin doing two suplexes onto the ramp. Oh, oh, I know. It's right on the corner as well because you have the main ramp. And then there's another little dip just yeah. as it comes oh. off, and it's right on that edge that he keeps dropping tricks. You have them brawling throughout the ringside area. There were a group of lads who all had king hats on. Did you see them? Yeah. They all had Burger King hats yeah. on. And they're all making fucking hoopla all night. A lot of hoopla. And as they were walking past, one of them took out like a Kodak disposable camera to roll it up and take a picture. And it's just as Austin went past, he drops the camera <laughs> and you see this entire group of men in crowns putting their hands on their head going, Oh no! Because <laughs> they're probably at the end of a roll, you know? <laughs> Austin gets caught up in some monitor wires. What is it with him and cables? Help, guys. 
Cornish wire, help. <laughs> Did you see uh, on Austin's podcast a few months ago, he talked about that famous incident. What pay-per-view was it where he got SummerSlam. Summer so Slam, someone yeah. from our, a fan of our show actually asked emailed him, him yeah. asked him about, you know, help. Yeah. And it's hilarious, just basically he covers it exactly the same way we do. Like, you know, everything that we saw happened is exactly what was going on. He doesn't sugarcoat it at all. Like, yeah. like, it's exactly as we predicted. Yeah. It. Begging Jesse Ventura to help. Jesse's <laughs> looking at the crowd going, oh, You can't ask Triple H for help. Like, it's so awkward. We then break down into a crowd brawl, and Austin at one point goes fucking chair mad. He does. Mm. There was like a, a flurry of that Austin does with a chair here, which, uh, not to spoil things, is something we see later on down the line, which was quite interesting to see here with Austin mm. hitting Triple H in every single corner of his body. It was really intense. Austin then goes to ringside and uh, gets himself a 2x4 covered in barbed wire. Yeah, yeah. it's cheeky. Gets a Foley chant from the audience. Mm. I love that, the fact that it's like, you know. It's his weapon. It's his weapon. A year since Foley was retired. Foley, Foley. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, exactly, from this pay per view. And also, just inexplicably got off a ringside, and I'm wondering, has Hugo Senevich been bringing this thing around with him to every pay per view for the last <laughs> two months? JIC, like, it's before 9 11, so obviously you could take a barbed wire 2 by 4 <laughs> in your hand luggage and you'd be fine, you know? Before Austin can actually use it, though, he eats it right in the face from Triple H and he lets out a fucking gun geyser of blood Austin bleeds all over the ringside area he bleeds all over Jerry the King Lawler's format for tonight yeah. it? all these notes covered Horrible. in blood Jerry's there with a towel trying to mop it all up as the blood is forming yeah ew so gross ew 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 it's the amount of blood where you can tell that it must smell because there's so much blood yeah. and it's just like uh, disgusting yeah horrible and uh, Jim Ross loses his uh, headset as well so it's up to Jerry Lawler to call oh. the attempted pedigree he does alright you know oh but, no he's yeah. just stood there going like oh don't come on my table Triple H ah, pedigree <laughs> JR's headset's broke <laughs> You're here for the wrestling, I'm here for the cheerleaders. And there's no cheerleaders, so I'm not here. Goodbye! Triple H goes for the pedigree, which gets reversed, and Austin sends Triple H crashing onto the Spanish announce table. And then Austin, in a move which I replicated many times with my Steve Austin figure I got this year, which had a can of beer, takes a drink from a beer, and then clatters Triple H in the face with it, and then drinks the rest of it, <laughs> regaining 50 HP in the process. <laughs> That's such a dangerous thing to do. Yeah, like, what a can. You know, yeah. like, you, you know, like... If how sharp cans can get if you crush them. Yeah. Imagine being hit with like a can that's been had half in. You can just cut the face so completely true. open. This pay-per-view was quite a sweary one, Adam. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us what happened here with Steve Austin? Yeah, um, Austin is like, Triple H has just gone through the table and Austin's smacking him in the face over and over again, just like loads of right hands. Great intensity. But we're saying you're crowd rolling stuff here, folks, but the intensity and like They've really turned that up. big fight feel which we got with the last match is 10 times here as well. Yeah. So he's just wailing on Triple H and Earl Hebner comes over to try and break it up and Austin like drenched in blood big wide eyes because the adrenaline's fucking flowing just turns around to him and goes get the fuck out of here right in his face the scariest thing horrible really horrible like Austin's in the danger zone there you know east of London north of Mars and west of hell like he was in the fucking zone I love that so much it's, you, it's very seldom see a wrestler get to that point nowadays yeah, it's kind of like oh, everything just where they're so getting like so into, into, it. So it. into it and right after that we actually have our grunt of the night as oh, well lovely. Uh, one hour 20 minutes and 8 seconds Austin this is a really like this is the most simple grunt we've ever had <laughs> 
Austin just punches Triple H in the gob and Triple H just goes <laughs> I, was, I, I was hoping when he said this most simple grunt it was literally saying, someone saying the word grunt grunt <laughs> grunt <laughs> grunt <laughs> Steve Austin it's a gay sleeper hold but then gets backdropped onto a chair by Triple H oh. fucking absolutely hellacious manoeuvre loads of chairs loads of stairs yeah it is a real like these guys take the street fight to another level this yeah. is like really sets a good it, standard it was getting to a point though where I thought like they're obviously going to go to the third round mm. it's obvious that Trips is going to win this 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 round but I think they've really overspent on themselves I mean I know it's a street fight and street fights are supposed to be like this but how the fuck are they how do you keep going after this kind mm. of yeah, yeah. However, when we do get into that point, they do actually make up for that really well. That's true. Yeah. They, they, they tell a very good story here, and there's kind of peaks and troughs in action, and the majority of the real intense, real violent spots are happening in the second fall, yeah. I think given the sheer length of this rivalry, it's okay to drag it out a little yeah. bit. Like, I really, knowing this is the last ever you know, appearance of these two guys against each other, it's, it's, fine, it's, it's, My, my issue it wasn't that they were going to be dragging it out, it's just that like, when they get to round three... They're, they're just they're just gonna they're not gonna be able to do anything. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Triple H, in a very scary moment, after being bopped with the stairs, puts Austin on the stairs and takes out his sledgehammer and attempts to just straight up execute this yeah. fool. And all the while, Triple H is like holding a hammer over Steve Austin's head, like it's gonna pop like a watermelon. The front row is gonna get splashed <laughs> with Austin's brain and cerebral fluids. Jerry Lawler is more <laughs> concerned with implying that Jim Ross stashed the hammer underneath there like he's helping out the man who's beaten him up on countless occasions. And JR's like, you're a dumbass. <laughs> I didn't take the hammer here, you goddamn dumbass. So mad. No dummy. <laughs> so Stunner in the ring gets reversed into a sweet hammer shot by Triple H. Followed up with the pedigree, and Triple H wins fall two. And again, they've won the assuming the loss would win the street fight. Helmsy walks away with the victory in this one. And then you get the cage lowering music as the third stage of hell starts, and a million people come out to make sure it lands properly. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but I get scared anytime I see a cage lowering after that Seth Rollins. Yeah, it's yeah. Definitely yeah. Now, the thing here is, at this point, you'd think, just get this done. Just get this over with. And I know it's been a massive feud and, you know, they want to knock the absolute fuck out of each other. Yeah. But, like, when the bell rings for the round three, there's, like, a good, like, 30 seconds of Austin still lying on the ground. Oh, yeah. Triple H can just walk out. Yeah. That's true. That's That's true. And I understand why they... Why the character wouldn't necessarily do that because he's not done yet. Yeah, I think it just it, it took me a little bit out of the immersion. But like, yeah. just come on, just do it. Like, it's like the same problem with Saint Valentine's Day Massacre with Austin. And could have just, just laid the cage, come back in. I think the idea was that because both men had absorbed so much punishment, that neither was capable of, of mm. leaving the cage. Yeah. Like trying to leave in no mercy and you're on blue. Like you're just gonna fall. Yeah. Like you know, you're just gonna fall. It's so silly. Austin gets barbed early on in the match and fucking screams in agony as Triple H has the barbed wire right in his face. Frees himself with a chair, just like smacking Triple H as he's been held in barbed wire. And then he barbs Triple H. Both men are dead. Can barely move. Yeah. I I kind of... I like this. Yeah. That these men were you knew at the end of this that there could be no disputing because it was like they had given everything there was no if ands or but any point from this moment now anyone losing it was fair game and yeah. these guys to their credit 
built the two falls in a convincing fashion that no man was kind of like... Because Austin Triple H's Survivor Series 2000 was the most indulgent fucking thing for yeah. Steve Austin. It was 20 minutes of him beating up Triple yeah. H as if Triple H just like couldn't go with mm. him. And this one here is showing that, yes, Steve, you are amazing, but Triple H in the year you were gone is the man now. Yeah. And both guys seem like the man in this, you know. A lot of fans didn't like that. But, you know, Triple H, I think we more than have shown was definitely worthy of that spot. I think it's only fair. Yeah. Absolutely. Both men are dead and Triple H flare flops at one point as well. Yeah. <laughs> Very Love nice. That. Uh, shows how loyal the WWF crowd are that during the figure four and the flare flop we had minimal wooing. Yeah, it's true. Very interesting. Mm. WCW, of course, you know, having a few hammers nailed into its deathbed mm. and uh, <laughs> not a lot of fans at the moment. Pedigree, kick out, bagard, bagard. One of the worst stunners I've seen in history. Yeah. Kick out. Bang out. Do you think that Steve Austin deliberately did a shit stunner so that Triple yes. H kicking out of it would not look like someone was kicking no, out I, of his finish? Wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't even think it's that. I think it's um, Austin selling how tired he is. It does. That's why it looks When I saw it, it's like, He's so beat up and so tired right now, he can't even do his finishing move properly. Mm. But the, that's, that's how I took it when I saw it. But what I took from that, though, was saying that Triple H, you know, Triple H can hit a perfect version of Pedigree, which he hits, and Steve can kick out of that. Mm-hmm. But if Triple H was to get a perfect still called Stunner, that would have been it. That would have been it. No, yeah. you know, that was. That seems like a very Steve Austin being protected. Be that as it may, things were what they were. Maybe a crowd a little bit sweeter <laughs> in terms of The Rock or Steve Austin. I think we were in Texas. We were in Texas. Sledgehammer and Barb shot at the same time and honestly one of my favourite endings of a feud ever which is both men collapse with a KO shot Triple H just happens to land on top and wins neither man is conscious as the bell rings Mm -hmm. Triple H has won the three stages of hell match and before we can absorb this amazing spectacle and what these men have put themselves through Triple H is lying on top of Austin okay his body and so underneath Triple H's back Austin's head is just peeking out. Did you see what happened? Someone threw a fucking beer in Austin's Someone face. Someone threw a beer Whoa. right on his temple. Oh, God. And Austin's eyes were immediately just goes Immediately just goes winces. like... Uh, yeah. So oh. Triple H is lying in there. Triple H gets a bit of it in his side. Austin gets all of it right on his crown. The Jeez. top of the head, which is... Not not like the side of the can either, the, but the hard, the hard metal, bit. Yeah. As in you know, the, the top of your skull, if you get... Point, some punches down yeah. there, you could really get hurt. And it's fucking Steve Austin after Jesus. this match... That I felt so was bad. That, was that who was that? Just a fan? It had to have been Steve's a fan because it can't have been the, the uh, Steve's beer guy. It couldn't, yeah, it couldn't have been Steve's beer guy. Yeah. Like, Mate, it's like appropriate. He's lost. It's an end of an Austin match. He's lying on the floor. Oh fuck it! Jeez, not Austin. <laughs> Austin's lying there, and like you know, the timekeeper just gets a sack full of beers. I don't believe in nothing anymore. <laughs> I'm going to military school. <laughs> it really looked like it hurt Steve as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was very happy this did not go on last if that was going to be our leaving moment yeah, for the paper. Yeah, very true, An incredible match. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, as a kid, I thought it was too much, but going back and going through this feud start to finish, um, this actually saved this feud for me because if this feud ended at you know Survivor Series 2000 I would have thought that is the flattest thing ever yeah. it ended up being what it should have been two guys at the top seeing who's the man and it was amazing both men came off really really well in this Austin had his moments of you know oh I want to be protected but you know what if he probably didn't have those moments Triple H would have gotten them instead mm-hmm. so he's probably just as well doing it I loved it incredible I, match I don't think I would have enjoyed this match as much if Austin had won 
I think that the fact that Triple H won really, really yes, was yeah. the shock factor of it of, of, of all, and especially as like this this match is all about who is better. Yeah, and it was proven to be Triple H yeah. was the better competitor. You were also that really really shocked me, and it and it, um, it um, really gave me like uh, really made me hopeful for Triple H in the yeah. future. and it was the considering we're coming to the end of the Attitude Era, I think it was a good idea to you know not to Austin's not passing a torch here. He's not like kind of sailing off into the sunset, but you are showing that. There are other guys at this level now. Equals. There are yeah. equals. And, you know, you need to do that. Definitely. You know? And Triple H, of anyone on the roster who needed this, Triple H needed it the most. You know, there's plenty coming for Steve Austin still. He won know? the Royal Rumble, like, just yeah. one month ago. Triple exactly. H needed this win. I will say, though, what disgusted me to my fucking stomach was, in typical Austin fashion, the end of this match... For no reason, he just stuns Triple H. Yeah. He, get, he does the John Cena, immediately the match is over, gets up, he's, he's seemingly completely better. Yeah. Music and he plays, just does the stunner. Get my heat back. Yeah. He, he, he came close up that he was going to go down and have a fucking beer bash and stun him again, but yeah. he didn't. But I thought, you know, he did that Survivor Series 98, he did, it, he did it so many times where it was like, we have established... Something big for the heels, mm. and then Austin comes out like, like just a he, sore he loser. Didn't need mm. to do it. He just didn't need to do it at all. Like I don't think anyone would have um, felt any less for Austin if he was just you know that's it done. Still stands up and is able to walk out on his two feet, not be stretched out or anything. But I don't think anyone would have thought no. any less of him for doing that. It's... He really didn't need. To do that, because that is kind of just that's just spitting uh, in the face of Triple H. Yeah, who won really fair and who square? Won fair yeah. And, square. Yeah. Yeah. and I think that you know, do that for the live crowd after the cameras are over. Fine, don't do it in the middle of a pay per view. No, where it's just kind of like you're you're putting an asterisk on a result that didn't need an asterisk. Yeah, you know, the announcers kill time as they try to clear up all the fucking um, fluid, fluids, and debris, yeah. and get out of the cage. Jerry says that he's tired from the match. He's like, I'm really tired now. Oh, by the way, I have to go wrestle. <laughs> Your timing couldn't have been very well there, Jerry. And the unenviable task of following this match, these three stages of hell, we have got Jerry the King Lawler taking on the leader of the right to censor, Stephen Richards, in a match to determine the right to nudity. But if Jerry loses, Cat has to join the RTC. Right, can we first of all mention the right to nudity? Cat came out on a special episode of SmackDown, which was an extreme episode of SmackDown. <laughs> you knew it was extreme because there was an X and it's like April branding. 1st or something. Yeah, right? extreme. So extreme SmackDown. Cat came out and said, I'm going to take my clothes off. To which the right to censor said, we've been around for like four months. You know that's not going to fly. Yeah. And then Jerry Lawler said that Cat had a right to be nude. And Kat would start taking her clothes off during RTC matches. Jerry would start taking his clothes no. off. Oh. Oh. Take my clothes out. Oh. Now, if you ever want to put me more firmly in the corner of the right to fucking censor, yeah. you have yeah. Jerry Lawler tw- threatening to take his clothes off, okay? But, like, it, they have that, uh, like, they have the right to get naked if they want to. I, l- I like the way that that is phrased. It's like, right to they, they have the right 
to do that. They yeah. are their own person. Mate, they can the do constitution, what they want to do. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the actual match name for this is the cat must get naked match. <laughs> and that's what I take umbrage with. Is like they have the right to do something. She no longer has the right. Defeating, she does defeating Jerry's original point. Now she must get naked. Yeah, it's not an option to be nude. I mean, I know it's all semantics, but that that just annoyed me. I see what you mean. Yeah, Jim Ross seems so enthusiastic. He says, "This one all started, folks, because the cat wants to get naked." <laughs> Doesn't give a shit. You, well, you want to talk about going from such a high with that last match to fucking this? It's such a serious popcorn match. match. Yeah, this is the the toilet Come break. On. This is seriously the toilet break now. Match. Um, I did like, however, the weird prayer circle that the right to censor had. That was yeah. really cool. Like, yeah. I have to fight alone tonight. You know, I love it. And you know what? It doesn't get much more symbolic than the guy who we all kind of like, Stevie Richards, wacky Stevie Richards, who's fighting for general taste and fucking Jerry Lawler being naked and being sexist and all that. These two people are fighting. Mm -hmm. These are the polar opposites of the yeah. spectrum. Seriously. I feel that we're somehow channeling Stevie Richards from the future with positive energy this is good this is versus evil this is yeah. the war of all wars <laughs> now of course if Jerry the King Lawler is going to be wrestling this match that means that Taz is going to come out come out to do colour he looks angry and full yeah Rebellion 2000 commentary team rides again happy to be here Taz how you doing I got an opportunity JR I gotta take it I was, just right. like, I, was, I just had my fingers crossed for the whole of this match just waiting for like hoping to god that Taz called someone a big Mexican bus <laughs> this match featured what we get with most of Taz's matches in late 2000 or 2001 which is a heavy fog descending upon the arena yeah stays as there forever the influence of Rob Van Dam can be felt from far away <laughs> in this one folks a recap of Sunday Night Heat when the XFL cheerleaders sorry Nitro girls were being shooed away by the right to censor they put them in bags yeah, <laughs> they don't like the XFL. They don't like Jerry Lawler. I like these right to censor guys. Are you finally maybe going to come around to them now, Billy? I'm just saying. Stephen Richards taking on Jerry Lawler. This is an interesting matchup, and I will be honest. We mentioned before with Jerry wrestling, the man's a master of mm. like making something out of nothing. The yeah. look to the crowd, the raising the fist, always gets a reaction for every move. And Stevie's in pretty safe hands yeah. in this yeah. one. They do a great job of making Stevie just being you know, what he is. This pest nerd who can't hang with the old timer. Even though Stevie's younger, probably you know, she looks like he should be more athletic, better shape. Jerry wrestles him at every turn. Did you hear what JR said about Stephen Richards when he came out? <laughs> like how he introduced him? Stephen Richards, the White Sox wearing nerd leader of <laughs> I hate nerds. I love football. <laughs> Steven Richards gets frustrated and rips his shirt off like he looks like baby John Cena when he's got he no top on fucking cut yeah seriously I thought he was doing like the whole the mistake Armando Estrada made was he took his shirt off and he got rid of his managerial career as a result <laughs> I'm not gonna lie guys RTC winds down the next few months and we're seeing the beginning of it here Vincent Rand going ah that Stevie Richards is kind of hot. <laughs> I'd like to kiss him. Jerry Lawler is a master of psychology in this one. Like, oh, he's, he's so great. And I was like, you guys, when, when this match started, I was like, oh, fuck me. Come on. Ridiculous. And I actually got into this one. Yeah, match. I got into it. Like, really, like, as much as we said about, like, uh, over the run of the podcast, what about Jerry on commentary? But, like, 
when it comes to Jerry being in a ring, everything he touches does turn to gold. This like, like that match, those two matches with Taz, Taz like oh, yeah. great matches. Same thing I thought here, which is kind of a great kind of different match. Jerry knowing that it's not meant to be the main event, knowing that it's meant to be like a kind of a fun popcorn match or whatever, and you do get that in this one, like you know. He slams Ivory at one point, you know, uh, you know, Stevie gets Stevie gets into the corner and he starts doing the whole train. It's yeah. so weird. Like he's got all the RTC moves, I guess. They share them. Like, he like doesn't that. have like, he stopped using his his Stevie kick. Yeah. So he's just taking all the rest of their finishes. Gonna go for the It's like Scientology. They've got to like give him like <laughs> something to be part of the right to censor. They've got to give him a bunch of money on moves. Fanny for this pimp daddy. <laughs> Jerry Lawler with a 20 punch in the corner. The difference between Jerry Lawler and wrestlers who don't know how to read a crowd. Jerry Lawler understands that people like counting. So he goes past 10 and he yeah. goes to 20 and then he gives him 21. Not like the amount of times where we've seen people go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Okay, next spot. Yeah, enough. Oh, shut up. We're going to do the other spot now. I want to do my <laughs> kick thing. Ivory distracts the referee and Stevie Richards manages to sneak in a low blow and a DDT. But Ivory then gets slammed by Jerry the King Lawler. And then a very confusing, upsettingly poor sequence of events where Ivory's in the ring. She's meant to be kicked out and Jerry's meant to be distracted. Cat was meant to come in and go after Stevie. She missed her cue mm. completely. So Stevie was stood there waiting. Jerry Lawler was kind of like... Can you get Ivory out of the ring? And Ivory's there for like five minutes going, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? Eventually what happens, Kat gets the belt and she accidentally hits Jerry in the face, which leads to Stevie Richards winning the match. Kat has to join right to censor. She gets put in a sack. And yeah. a big right to censor bag and take her away. I thought it'd be like, you know, next, next week you better turn up when you're gonna, we're going to meet backstage and do... No, no they, so just, it's like, they yeah, take it's, her then and there. It's, 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 like, oh, you're gonna, it's like, if your parents are broken up, you're going to have to drive to the service station now, you're going to go see your dad <laughs> and pass him over to her. No, they, they put her in a sack and they put her in the white van and get taken to Stephen Richards' compound in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, <laughs> like, you know, to, for processing. It's the corporate ministry all over again. Do you want to know what happens the next night on Raw? Do I? Do you? Well, Kat joins the right to censor, and they start doing this whole thing, which is like, we're going to beat someone up and censor people tonight. And Kat was like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> but all the wooden critters have to get bacon. <laughs> you know, like, she's all sweet and innocent. Her hair's in a bun. Oh, poor Kat. She has to wear a tie like ivory. <laughs> she should be naked. It's so sad. And they did a thing where she started to rebel. The next night, she was G double O double N double E gone. She was given her walking papers. So the next night on Raw was Jerry Lawler's last moment as a commentator for nearly an entire calendar year as he left the WWF in protest over his fiancee, Kat, being fired. You have just witnessed, Billy, the last Jerry Lawler commentary on the Atzera podcast. He's gone. He's gone. Jesus. What a way I, to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know that King wasn't at 17. Yeah. And I knew that something happened that he would like, he was going to be gone. Hmm. I thought like an illness, some personal like family issue maybe. Yeah. You could like, class this as a personal issue. I, I, he's walking well, out. He's walking out because of Kat yeah. being fired when she should have been fired 
pretty much the week she debuted. Yeah. It was. Um, that's that's such a shame. It was hardly Daniel Bryan getting fired for that incident, was it? You know, no. I don't think really anyone cared other than Jerry. Guys, don't like, worry. Jerry Lawler and Cat have got it all figured out because at this time they were actually negotiating sweetheart deals with a young up and coming company called. World Championship oh, Wrestling. Oh, no. <laughs> Big storyline written. Whoops. Jerry was seriously going to yeah. jump shit. Jerry was going to show up with oh WCW. Involves in a storyline with the Flares and Stacey Keebler. Oh, and, uh, no. Keep imagining Jerry's face when he heard Vince Porter <laughs> music. <laughs> I made a terrible mistake. Oh, my, that's, that's fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> I've been buying pumpkins the whole month of October. <laughs> I think they're going to peak right around January. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I got us all tickets on the Titanic after this. <laughs> so, yeah. Such a fucking idiot. Now, Jesus. Do you want to know what the worst you thing know is? better than that. So, Christ. everyone's saying that Jay Lowry is going to go to MCW. That was his plan. Um, there's a great channel on YouTube that has like highlights and clips of Meltzer's show from 2001, which is... You know, as things like this were happening, people jumping ship, WCW going out of business, ECW going out of business. It's so interesting to hear what it was like before yeah. proper internet and Twitter, how people were finding out this info. And after it was announced that WCW was, was being wrapped up, Jerry Lawler starts appearing on uh, as guests on the oh. show. And he reads out a letter to Vince McMahon. He's like, Vince, I don't know why you let me and Kat go. We've been nothing but professional. Oh, we, we love working for the World Wrestling Federation. And I wish I could always continue to work for the World Wrestling Federation. If there was an instance that Kat did not get on with anyone, well, then we can talk it out as adults. Oh. I've written 10 storylines that you can use for me and Kat to come back in on the roster. Really embarrassing. <sighs> At the end of the day, the reason why was that Kat had bad heat backstage. Mm. And it was the kind of bad heat which was she didn't get on with any of the women backstage, apparently. There was a rumour that either China or Stephanie or Ivory, someone high up enough that she didn't get on with. And as soon as as soon as this angle started, the, the right to nudity thing, apparently it got quite bad. Right. So people were all like kind of on her case. Her being fired was something that was in the cards for a long time. Jerry leaving, though, leaves the door open for a quite an unexpected replacement. As the week after on Raw, we see... Uh, Paul Heyman, jumping ship from ECW, shows up on commentary, which is news to us and fucking news to all the people from ECW <laughs> who thought there might be a couple of shows coming in January. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, weird times all around in wrestling and just showing you the end of the Attitude Era, nothing was for certain at all. Mm. And Jerry Lawler didn't come back until November 2001. A long time to be yeah, alive. I mean, it, it's good to see, though, that Cat uh, and Jerry are still together. You know, that it was that it was, it was, that worth it was, it. That was all worth it, you know, you know. Cat's still on his website. If you go on his website, there's still a big old picture of Cat. Jeez, that's so, weird. That's it. At uh, the end of Jerry the King Lawler, you shan't be missed on commentary, friend. But... Don't let the door hit you on the in the ass on the way out. <laughs> Coming up next, triple threat tag team table testicle match. The Dudley Boys taking on Edge and Christian, and you've done it now, the brothers of destruction. Yeah. My back, my yard. Michael Cole backstage with the bros. Undertaker, you and your brother Kane have had a long and storied history together, yet you've never held tag team gold. Tonight in the table match, you have the opportunity to do... Wait. Is that what you think? Do you think this is about the gold? The match is about the gold. We 
are about pain and suffering. You see, there's going to be six individuals in our yard tonight. Four of those individuals are going to find out what that means exactly. Edge, Christian, Dudleys, you know, they shouldn't concern themselves with tag team titles. They should be more concerned with how they're going to survive. Because tonight, and I want you to listen to this real good, Michael Cole. Tonight, the big dogs, they run the yard. We're gonna do more than put those boys through tables. We're gonna put them through hell. Tonight, the big dogs run the yard. Now, when I saw the match card for this, I immediately thought, oh my God, they've started tagging now. Cause this actually is legitimately my favorite Kane and Undertaker. Golden era, yeah. Altogether, these oh, really? two are at oh, their yeah. best in this. They are a brilliant tag team. So I'm like, yes, it's finally happening. Cut to someone at a Magic the Gathering convention as Undertaker is there in his big long leather trench coat, baseball cap and sunglasses, big old mouth of chew on him. And I immediately mean, like, <laughs> fuck's sake, it's still this guy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it like, is. Now, me and my brother Kane here see UFOs all the time. We're cool with that. <laughs> but no reptilians coming here. We have to hit them with these special crystals we bought on eBay. <laughs> so, yeah, Taker and Kane. This is a really intriguing matchup. Inserting the Brothers of Destruction into the tie title scene and again this something happened in 1998 which made the other tie teams seem like you know it wasn't so good for D'Lo Brian and Mark Henry when mm -hmm. Undertaker and Austin were tagging but my god the rub that the Dudley's Edge and Christian get from being in a match with the yeah, Brothers Destruction absolutely. and the run up to this as well you have Edge and Christian laying out the Dudley's or Edge and Christian laying out Kane you mm -hmm. know the Dudley's going after the Undertaker they're all being viewed as these teams are all on the same footing yeah. awesome love it the Undertaker's gear. This was one that was better left on the design room floor, I believe. This is the rock bottom for the Undertaker. Yeah. What is it? He's got Hillbilly Neo from the Matrix is what I've got. Yeah. <laughs> it looks he looks like Midian. Yeah. He, he actually does. He brings back the Taker symbol and on he's his got tummy. on his yeah. tummy. And he's got like Fuck, he doesn't look in great shape. It he looks just... like he's actually got a nappy on under his tights. Because <laughs> yeah. he's got this big, he's massive incontinent. padding. He it, does... Honestly, looks like he's got the shits. <laughs> he's got a muffler. <laughs> it's, what, it's a muffler that covers his entire fucking groin, mate. Daddy, we call that muffler a nappy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hardcore muffler right there. you got to put some talcum powder on that, Daddy. <laughs> A standoff to the start as Edge and Christian are in the middle. The Dudleys come from behind and Taker and Kane come from the front. Love it. Brothers of Destruction destroy everyone. They toss Devon off the ramp mm. to start this one off. I kept getting so frightened when they were fighting on the ramp because I kept thinking someone was going to knock over Taker's bike. <laughs> yeah, it was very <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice bike. He just goes, and he's so <laughs> close. Like Every time that Bubba's near it, he's like teetering on falling on it. And I'll be honest, you know, that's his bike. That's his shoot bike. Yeah. And that's his yard. <laughs> and if you try him, he'll make you famous. And I don't think that's what you want, Mr. Dudley. Not at all. So Midian Kane work over the Edge and Christian. The Dudley boys chair the Brothers of Destruction. Bubba, however, slips on a chair and nearly fucking kills himself. Ooh, horrible. Oh my God. Edge and Christian then in the corner with an amazing spot really take it to Bubba Ray Dudley's penis. <laughs> they, they stand on yeah. it in the corner and keep yeah. standing and jumping up and down. Love it. it. Again, that's another TNA reference but like I was hoping so badly considering Taz was on commentary we were going to get Taz, what? 
My balls! He was thinking it pretty hard. I know, buddy. <laughs> Taz was actually all right here. Yeah, Taz was yeah. good. Didn't yeah, did a fine job on commentary. You know, you much. Yeah. Made, he, he, we didn't mention in the previous match though. Taz was all right in that as well. Yeah, yeah he did a good job. He's, yeah, he's actually all right. He's he's improved from rebellion. You know, big time. I know, Kings. You're not just doing an impressionation of uh, <laughs> of an announcer anymore. You are an announcer. Now, is that something you should be happy about? No, I don't know. <laughs> Congratulations, you're never going to be wrestling again on a meaningful manner. Former ACW champion. Yeah. Great. This, this match is silly entertaining. Oh, oh so like, It's so stupid and daft, but it's so fucking but great. The, 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 the characters, the, the fucking... Yeah. The, I mean, you know, with, with how to wrestle at the moment where I'm trying to show someone who's never seen wrestling before... The, you don't understand what fans and it must have worked on us as kids but the appreciation that fans have for seeing guys in the ring who aren't just boots and tights mm. uh, when it's a big weird looking dude like Kane or yeah. even Undertaker the Dudley boys Edge and Chris and they're all colourful weird distinct I think it's so great and you're missing that so much really even, in, even in NXT where I, I love the characterization, mm. a lot of guys still fall with that you know, boots and tights kind yeah. of syndrome but this is just Characters that are over doing spots that are awesome, and it's just, it's just great. You know, and what can I say? It's just absolutely great. Edge is holding a chair, and Bubba Ray kind of gets him in the lion tamer position, does that flip backwards. Mm. Edge goes sailing into Christian and absolutely smashes him. Christian, however, hits the unprettier on Devon, and Kane and Taker both go off the top rope at the same time. So cool. Really cool. And you get the feeling at this one that, like, kind of they're only scratching the surface. Yeah. Like, dual choke slams, dual tombstones. There's so much you can do with Taker and Kane. It's one of those moments where you realise that, like, oh, no, these aren't just two dudes that are going to tag together for a little bit. These are actually going to be a tag team. Like, these yeah. guys are going to make it work as a team. Really scary moment where they're kind of, like, pushing the tables out of the way to save themselves. It's the first oh, yeah. person to go through that loses, you see. Taker blocks the 3D, and then Devon blocks a choke slam. However, we get double choke slams to Bubba and Devon, and then double choke slams to the to Edge and Christian. So, Brothers of Destruction look like they're surefire winners of this. Who's coming out? Now, I'm cool with this. Who re take a refer to as, in a promo, Dem Island Boys. <laughs> it's Rikishi and Haku. They have no business being here. Nope. Last appearance of both men on the podcast. Mm. Really sad to see that this was all they had left for Rikishi. Just a run out. Run out. Oh, there's another Samoan. Haku. Why did you even bring them back? They're just together. What's the point? Yeah. Getting ready for WrestleMania, I guess. And they just beat over Taker and Kane. Taker and Kane would feud with these guys. They would win their eventual blow-off. But again, it's SmackDown feud. Boring. Yeah, Undertaker and Rikishi never really kind of had their blow-off for him throwing them off a cell. It was quite matter-of-fact, really. Christian, however, as the Brothers of Destruction are taken care of, eats a 3D from the Dudley boys who retain the championships in an awesome match gorgeous 3d through that table as well like just fucking spot on there's something that's so nice about these this era of pay-per-views that we're doing where it seems that if it looks good on paper it's good in reality it works. yeah Absolutely. if you've got like just a load of like because if i saw this now a load of teams i love and i said they're in a big table matcher i thought they're gonna not give it enough time it's gonna get fucked up it's gonna be too many spots it's gonna yeah. be messy everyone looked good coming out of this 
Dudley's look good. Edge and Christian look ruthless. Taker looked rubbish in that outfit. Taker, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just viewing it as Midian. I thought Midian really overachieved <laughs> in this. You know, it was his best outing to date. Kane as well. He was wearing only black for this match as well. No red on him. It's really yeah. weird. They both have strange outfits. I mean, guys, I was going to say Undertaker, all right? We've got one pay per view left in the Edge era. Can you just fucking pick your look and stick with it? Figure yeah. it out. Sort okay? yourself out, mate. The, uh, the Taz does have a bit of a bad moment here. Oh, yeah. He's been great for it. Like, he goes like. As um, Taker turns around and sees that the Dudleys have won, we do get, Whoa, Undertaker don't look too happy, JR. <laughs> and look at them eyes, JR. Wow. 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 Did you catch the uh, the shot of Undertaker at the very end of the match? No. On the ramp? Oh, man, more swearing tonight. For um, We get, like, Undertaker, like you said, he's at the top of the ramp, and he sort of dawns on him that the Dudleys have won while he was fighting Haku. And the camera just slowly zooms in on Taker's face for about 20 seconds with this really intense stare. And then just right at the end of it, you just see him go, motherfucker. So he just cuts away again. <laughs> he's going to zoom in up. You've done it now. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, our main event for the WWF Championship, it's Kurt Angle losing against The Rock. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the World Wrestling Federation Champion, Kurt Angle. I know I can beat anybody here in the World Wrestling Federation. I proved that for the last five months. That was a huge win for Kurt Angle. Look at this carnage, JR, and look Kurt at Angle. They're still the WWF Champion. Your days of being champion days of being happy are coming to an end. You understand The Rock? Do you understand me? It burns The Rock down to his boom barrel, not having a WWF title around his waist. Kurt Angle, there is nothing bigger in this industry than the main event at WrestleMania. And for the past two years, The Rock has headlined WrestleMania. And nothing's gonna change. The Rock will do all he can. This is the shot The Rock's been looking for. A title shot against Kurt Angle. And no way out. Look at The Rock King. On the chair. The Rock fought him on a chair. Oh my God. Fought him on a chair. Rock got it. Rock got it. Rock's going in the way out. The Rock will be Kurt Angle. And no way out. With a WWF title on the line. The countdown is on. Tick tock. Tick tock. My ass! Rock, you've been jealous of me ever since I stepped foot in the World Wrestling Federation. Because finally, there is a man with just as much charisma, just as much personality. I will prove that I am the best. I'm better than The Rock than anyone in the World Wrestling Federation. Your days of being champion, days of being happy, are coming to an end. The reality is, my days of being on top aren't numbered. I see Kurt Angle get ready because The Rock is going to No Way Out. The Rock is beating you at No Way Out. The Rock is going on to WrestleMania. I'm keeping my WWF title. You can't stop, can't stop The Rock. Kurt Angle, you're looking at the next WWF champion. And that, my friend, is true. A recap of Kurt Angle's screwy, screwy run with him always coming out on top. And like, my favorite one is like, at the end of Armageddon, Jim Ross literally goes, Oh, for fuck's sake, Kurt Angle's still somehow <laughs> champion. The Rock beat Big Show off for the number one contendership and is now challenging Kurt Angle. Your days of being happy are coming to an end. 
And I'll be honest, I was uh, really jazzed up because I love The Rock. Mm-hmm. Love my promos. Rock promo, not heard from all night. Rock, you're facing Kurt Angle. Let's hear it. You yeah. know, give it to me, Rock. Listen. Listen. Kurt Angle, the countdown, and your reign as WWF Champion is over. TikTok, 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 my name is The Rock. Yeah. What that was this! He, he, he may as well have said, like, look, guys, we both know I'm going to win. I'm not going to bother with it if you smell. Let's save that for a proper match. I'm just going to go grab the belt real quick and then we'll get out of here, yeah? yeah. So boring. Guys, you should probably start buying your tickets for WrestleMania 17 because I'm going to be in the main event. It, it really makes me feel sorry for Angle. Yeah. Because yeah. like we've said in the previous episodes, you know, that they've really not given a shit about Angle. Yeah. And, you know, this is the final moment. Yeah, it's Angle's clearly going to lose. But at the same time, and and in this match, they, they do make Angle look like a threat. Yeah, that's true. For, uh, for, the first, the, for the first fucking time, and it's time he loses. Mm. And it's just, Rock really could have given him something. When it came round to WrestleMania 17 at this time of year, there was a lot of backstage scuttlebush uh, on the old AOL forums at the time that there was the rumblings that a lot of people were not happy with their place on the card. Kurt Angle was not happy with his place on the card. Triple H was not happy with his place on the card. Loads of people who were left off the card were not happy with their place on the card. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jericho was not happy with his place. On the- you had just people who were, even though we're going into the biggest kind of moment ever, you had around four or five guys who probably thought they should have been in the main event. Yeah. That's a good thing in some sense when you look at years of WrestleMania where you probably think most of the locker room are going, yeah, I have no business being in that main event this yeah. year. I'm not over enough. But you did have, I mean... Any of those guys who were in the Hell in the Cell match, with the exception of Rikishi... Could have been built up to have this Could have easily been built up to be in that match, and mm-hmm. it would have been fine. But would it have been as big as Austin Rock? Probably not. Probably and not. that's the real the real God's honest, sad reality and the truth of it. I love the intensity in this match. And because it seems like something of a foregone conclusion, this isn't about the silly thing that Kurt Angle has said or done, or the thing he did last week. This is two guys who want to be the champion. Mm-hmm. Kurt Angle's motivation is to win so he can be the best. The Rock's motivation is so he can win and be the best. And I honestly think when people get quite nostalgic about the Attitude Era and they say, I wish it kind of went back to how it was, it's probably the matter-of-factness of some of the feuds in the main event where it's, I want that belt, mm-hmm. I need that belt, I have to be best, as opposed to some of the wackiness and the violence of the non-PG. Yeah. I do believe that that is what people really, really are lustful for and you get it here in absolute spades Kurt Angle as well on the road to this has begun using a new finishing manoeuvre did you notice what he was doing in this match I actually didn't the ankle lock oh yes Mm -hmm. yes the ankle lock submission which he debuted a few weeks before this got it over quite quickly by breaking the ankle of poor Scotty Tuhati and having people like Tess and Just Joe be like you can't do that man you can't break Scotty's ankle. As a kid, that killed me. Angle just did the ankle lock on him for so long, and then he did the, the sort of, you know, when Brock Lesnar does the Kimura, he did like the big snap move. 
and they just put Scotty on the stretcher and he had his leg in a way that actually did look mangled. And I remember as a child just being sat there like, oh my god, they like, killed Scotty. And S.A. Rios is just like sobbing in the corner, like, yeah. you know, as all these mid-card is rocked. And he's just like, Kurt Angle, yes, he's a goof. Yes, he's a suck-up. Yes, he doesn't deserve, you know, where he is, but he is dangerous. Yeah. And that is the real Kurt Angle character that really gets over and leads to him kind of, that's what it is. And I remember at the time hating that he did the ankle lock because it was Ken Shamrock's move. Oh, yeah. And this is 2001 where I'm still kind of going, where is Ken Shamrock? <laughs> where is Ken Shamrock? Last time I saw him, he was coughing up blood. Now he's gone. Where is he? Is he alive? I don't know. Don't use his move. That's disrespectful. He's not even cold in the ground, Kurt. <laughs> there is glorious action to start this one off. Mm. 100 miles an hour, lovely reversal, off the ropes, rock, Kurt Angle, snappy moves, floating like leaves, it's just absolutely beautiful. Kurt early goes on for the ankle lock, and you see the rock reacting in a way, it's like, oh fuck, no, 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 no. like that is a dangerous move, mm-hmm. that spells disaster for me. A sequence of belly-to-belly suplexes from both men, a lot of rope-heavy offense in this one, I felt, but um, really entertaining stuff nonetheless. The Rock locks in the shit shooter. Yeah. Sitting there by the uh, water fountain with his friends, just shooting the shit. Yeah, basically, I'm going to put his two legs under my oxter and drop them. <laughs> shooting the shit of the water cooler. These lads, when they go off the ropes, you know, we said with Austin, you could tell his intensity because of how he runs the ropes. Look at how The Rock and Kurt Angle run the ropes here. You're five minutes into this match, and these guys are sprinting as yeah. fast as they can, exploding against the ropes. For each and every spot, and there's not a missed one amongst them, you know? Someone in the crowd at one point where C gets forcefully removed. Everyone turns around to watch. Yeah, you right across the hard camera, kicking and screaming. And then the cameraman tries to see what's happening and falls over, if you saw that. (laughs) The camera, which is on the screen, the guy fucking falls over his own feet. I can only hope what this was was the conclusion of the investigation from the big boss man to see who the fuck was throwing a can in the ring earlier on <laughs> and they finally nailed him with the DNA evidence and he's been taken away. Both men are knocked out. Well, it's the big show. The reason I sing his song there is because the only thing you can hear in this arena with a hot crowd, a hot, hot crowd, all nice, but they don't accept bullshit and they don't expect screwiness for no reason. The crickets, when the big show Paul White slithers his way out here, like as unwelcome as the CGI'd Jabba the Hush in the remake of fucking A New Hope, as Kurt Angle and the Walk awkwardly walk behind him to get into position, he just comes out here and he choke slams him and then leaves. Yep. Well, if this was 2014, however, I would have thought this would have been the end of the pay-per-view. This is how they did (laughs) end one with Randy and Big Show once. But what was the what was the goal of this? We were having such a good match up until that point. It was fucking. It was the championship match. It's exactly what you want. It was fantastic. For no reason whatsoever. Neither man gains an excuse from the Big Show coming out here. So I'm led to believe the only reason they did this was to make the Big Show seem like a threat. Right, so he can enjoy the hardcore division more at WrestleMania. Yeah, I was going to say, why give him the hardcore belt? I mean, like, I'm going to make some changes around here. No, you're not. You're still in the hardcore story route. You have to start a new game if you want to go after the world (laughs) belt. You fool. Heel Rock gets the WWF Championship and knocks out Kurt Angle then in the fracas. This is such bollocks. What's going on now? <laughs> really, really strange. 
Kurt Angle, though, like the hero face he is, kicks out and gets his finishing maneuver in. At the, the end last goddamn millisecond. Yeah. <laughs> like, 2.997 I've always thought that Seth Rollins was a master of 2.9. Oh, man. Yeah. But that, that was like 2.95 right there. <laughs> and Kurt Angle, I'll be forgiven. Maybe it was they want to make up for the Big Show interference that made no sense or that he got knocked silly with a title belt. But the intensity gets reined in quite a bit here, Adam. Yeah, I, I remember this sticking out to me so much as a kid because this is the first time I'd noticed the wrestler swearing and being like, oh, I'll let mum and dad know that I saw that. Like, he's got the rock in the ankle lock and just goes, Tap out, you son of a bitch! I'll break your fucking ankle! <laughs> Eyes popping out of his head. I'll be honest, and this doesn't say much for the, the, the teachers and adults and responsible people when I was growing up. The only time we ever got in trouble for wrestling was when someone screamed, Tap out, you son of a bitch, I'll break your fucking ankle. <laughs> Language! <laughs> Never mind your ankle is pointing the wrong way around. Language! <laughs> yeah, real intense here. The rock hits the people's elbow, but the turnbuckle has been exposed by heelish Kurt Angle, who then manages to get his Olympic slam with for a sick kick out with the rock. Angle charges at the rock, goes right into the turnbuckle, and eats a huge rock bottom. One, two, Earl Hebner has decided to stop counting. Yeah, now. what's going on? Lads, I want to enjoy this match. I really do. Really close they've, to it being a great they've match. They've done such a poor job of this. Seriously. Like Vince McMahon coming in on the couple, making passionate love with his fucking air horn <laughs> and, his, and his collection of porcelain birds to show people. Stop it! Let's just fucking... Come on! One, two, question mark. And then the boo start. Yeah. Rock bottom again. The rock wins. It was and a fucking well dodgy rock bottom. Dodgy. Second one, one was yeah. just like... Kurt was spent... It was sloppy. It was definitely Earl Hebner's fault. Undoubtedly. And as we're going off the air, Jim Ross just starts hyping WrestleMania 17. It is a shame. And I know I've listened back to old episodes recently as we're coming to the end to kind of see how our opinions and thoughts have changed. Something we said a lot earlier on, which was, don't let a screwy finish ruin a good match. You can still enjoy. Mm. You can still enjoy Owen Hart and Steve Blackman, even though he walked out in the end. This one, however... Very difficult to enjoy. When I had the, the big show thing, the rock heel thing, and then the fucking fuck up at the end, this was seemed like... Yeah, this... I mean, rock and angle, this was their big match, really. Yeah. You know, this was meant to be angle... You know, he won the belt off the rock the first time, but there was screwiness. This was, you know, mature, grown-up, vicious angle. And I think that there was... You know, they kind of almost got ruined by stuff beyond mm. their control. It felt like these two guys had an amazing match here, which the big show and Earl Hebner tried to take Just away from ruined them. Ruined it, yeah. Completely ruined it. The it ref so who stole Christmas, like. Yeah. Overall thoughts on that match, Billy? Great first half. Yeah. Then it just completely falls apart. Fell apart. I am excited to see The Rock, however, going towards the main event of WrestleMania. Mm. Two times we've had now over four WrestleManias are going to be main evented by The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Is that too many times, or do you think that this is hot enough to return to? I don't think so. Yeah, well, you don't think it's too many times? Or? I know, I think it is too many times, because it's... I mean, it was always the thing, but the Attitude Era was making... The Attitude Era predominantly was about making these new guys. Yeah. And you have all of this time, you know, when Austin was away, and all of this, um, where, you know, Rock's gone up and down the card, and all of these other guys have been built up, and then it's just gone to, well, should we just 
put those two together again. I, I will it say, seems just, it just seems. I, I know that this is supposed to be their best WrestleMania. Match. There's a different dynamic this time, though. You don't have corporation heel yeah. rock. It's not about Vince and, and and Austin. It's about Austin and the Rock. So in that sense, it's a very different match. Um, so maybe once we've seen the hype ups and whatnot for WrestleMania 17, yeah. maybe your opinion will change on that. But that is no way out. 2001 match of the night MVP Adam match of the night. I was very very tempted to say the Fatal Four Way Intercontinental match because it is mm. glorious. But I've just got to go with the three stages of hell match yeah. because that is just how a vicious blood rivalry should come to a head. Yeah. It was the perfect apex. They don't fuck it up by coming back to it again ever. That is literally mm. the end and it was spot on. Lovely. And MVP then? MVP, I'm going to go again from the same match, Triple H, for the sheer fact that like I think this match really did cement yeah. the fact yeah. that he is on Austin's level now. Yeah. It was always like, oh Triple H was great because Austin was gone away. He, was, he wasn't here so Triple H had his chance to get good. Mm. But it really is, the feeling is now like, well Triple H always was that good. Yeah, and they that's are true. on yeah. exactly the same level. A nice stamp there. Billy, match of the night, MVP. Uh, special mention first to the Fatal 4-Way as well as the Triple Threat Tag Team table match. Mm, good stuff. Silly entertaining, loved it. But as for MVP and Match and I echoing Adam, completely for the exact same reason. Three Falls and your... Uh, Triple H. Triple H. I'm going to take a bit of a different slant with this one. Um, I love the Three Falls match. I think it's absolutely incredible. A uh, bit pissed off by Austin's stunner at the yeah. end. Really kind of left a bad taste in my mouth with that one. But an absolutely incredible story to be told. So definite special mention for that. I would have to give my match of the night, however, to the Triple Threat Tag Team Tables match because that for me is just... You know what? It's easy to show people the TLC matches and sell them on wrestling. Show them this. That is a great yeah. match. Look at the characters. The colors, children. Boy, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you won't nearly enjoy it as many levels as I will, but still, enjoy it nonetheless. MVP I'm going to give to Stephanie McMahon, as there was yeah. no one on this card who came in with lower expectations, mm -hmm. who smashed through them. And you know what, when you're relying on Trish Stratus, who is still not a fully properly trained wrestler, to be the one in the match who's you know carrying you, mm. and Stephanie didn't fuck anything up, neither person got hurt, nothing looked, there was no whiffs, all the moves looked impactful, and it was over. So I'd say Stephanie McMahon for my MVP. And that's going to do it for No Way Out 2001. Thank you so much for listening in. Reminding you, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher, to subscribe. And of course, leave you a rating or review, helping us out immeasurably, heading up those old iTunes charts. If you want to follow us, do so on Twitter, at AEPodcast. Keep in touch about the latest comings and goings, live tweeting, raw wrestling pay-per-view specials on the network, and NXT as well. And of course, Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Podcast. Send us a message, get in touch. Farm art over there, goofs and gaffs, and many discussions about episodes past and present. Head on over to youtube.com slash AEPodcast, and over there you'll find some of our favourite moments from the podcast put to video. You can see things like, I always mention this one, I think, but it's Undertaker drinking Midian's blood. No, I love that one. It's just, honestly, one of those things that we talk about on the podcast that you really have to see to believe. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Head over to our YouTube channel, and also check out our Vine account, which is at AEPodcast, link on our Twitter. I am a stuff and things man. I loves it all of the day. <sighs> Only at Botchamania, it soothes all me troubles away. Uwaruware, uwaruware. How, how many people are going to understand 
what the fuck just happened just there? <laughs> you know what? I Did you just have a nervous breakdown on the podcast? When I was doing a How To Wrestling episode the other day and I made a Party Dane reference and my coach was like, alright, that's too obscure. Go, one person will get it and they'll tweet in. <laughs> <laughs> so Billy, if that one person tweets in, you're not in trouble. Oh, okay. <laughs> also, go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash AE podcast if you want to be a seriously next level member of the Global Game community. Hardcore. Seriously hardcore. We've got a few different designs over there that are available to check out. We'll be adding more in the future, so keep your eyes peeled. And of course, as well, the best way to support this podcast is to go over to selfie.com forward slash AE podcast or commentary tracks for wrestling movies and network specials are available to download now. Listen to Adam, Kevin and Billy ruin such wrestling classic movies as Beyond the Mat, Wrestling with Shadows, CM Punk, Best in the World and the Citizen Kane of Wrestling Animation crossover, Scooby-Doo and the WrestleMania Mystery. They're all available for £3 or $5 to download. You download them as an MP3 and watch them alongside your copy of the movie. Thanks to everyone who supported so far and continues to support the Attitude Era podcast. Well, that's going to do it for me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And just one more pod and I'll be history. <laughs> then you'll be the one who lives. Refreshing me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get an alcohol. Get the job in the